Hello, hello. Oh, working excellent. <laughs> excellent. That was my test. Okay. Some people say testing, testing. I say hello, hello. What do you know? <laughs> yeah, this all works out great. <laughs> there you go. Look at us doing it again. Here we go. We know what we're doing. We're like experts. We haven't learned our lesson. Welcome to Sneaky Dragon, all the way from Alder Grove to Vancouver, British Columbia. I am Ian Boothby. And I'm David Dedrick. And we'll be playing all the hits. <laughs> no, we won't play it. Yeah, I don't think we'll be doing any hits no, today. Bad. If you want music, Dave's got a completely different podcast called Sneaky Dragon Listening Party, which maybe you confusingly clicked onto this one and went like, I could see someone doing that, being a big fan of the Sneaky Dragon Listening Party, mm. and going like, oh, there, there's an episode. And then they listen to us and wait for the music to start. And then three hours later go, hey, hey, I feel, I've been uh, hornswoggled. <laughs> I feel like the Venn diagram of the listening party and Sneaky Dragon are two completely overlapping circles. Oh, okay. That's how I see it. All right. That's fine. Then. Yeah. No, I'm perfectly happy with that. That's fine. I wonder if people dance to your podcast. They just put it on and just like... You just get up and dance. And I wonder if they sometimes just get up and dance to us discussing, you know, random chocolate bars as well. <laughs> I think that's more likely. I think us discussing fortune bars and whatever else from the past, yeah, the that's what gets people. between a dairy milk and a jersey milk. Oh, my bar. gosh. It's Well, you know, and then that's the syncopation of our of our discussion mm. gets gets the hips a shaken. Yeah. And then, uh, then you get, of course... You know the difference between a uh, you know a Cadbury chocolate in Canada versus a UK. Oh, you're getting you know, and then well, don't even start with Australia. Yeah, uh, you know, c come on, come it's, on, Australian chocolate, pretty good, pretty uh, pretty darn good. Oh, it's very, it's very good, it's very good. I don't know what they got going on down there, but well done, uh, all of you Australians on your uh, yeah. On your chocolate. And just a request: if you do send chocolate, which you should is uh, make sure, for my sake, that some of it has jelly in it. Yeah, and not me, though, because uh, I don't think I'm ready for that joke. <laughs> you don't think you're ready for, like, a Turkish Delight chocolate kind of thing? Oh, oh Lord, no. No. Oh. No, thank you. Okay. <laughs> no, all the Turkish Delight today. Please. Please <laughs> oh. help. Help on there. So good. I can't have any right now, but it's so good. Oh, that's right. The, Let's the, keep uh, talking about chocolate bars during, oh, yeah, yeah, during yeah, fasting. Well, you know, hey, I uh, I made a here's, – here's the thing. I order groceries in now from the internet. We heard so about I it last time. So you, all yeah. you get are potatoes and apples. Yeah, I got potatoes and apples, which has been – it's actually worked out pretty good, as, as we mentioned. Our friend uh, Nina Matsumoto took some potatoes and apples off of me and made some uh, amazing-looking um, potato salad. <laughs> I don't know if that's really working out for you, but okay. Well, it is because I want it to go to a good home. Okay, I got okay. a real problem with wasting food, like yeah, a yeah, real yeah. problem with wasting food. No, no, no. So, I understand that. That's, that's, that's perfectly uh, – you know – in our in our generational wheelhouse, but I think um, like I think it's working out for the food, but I don't know if it's working out for you, except for your guilt complex, I guess. Right. I, I spent a, a large part of the other day peeling potatoes. Oh, really? Uh, because yeah, again, I got this twenty pound bag of potatoes. Oh, you haven't got rid of it? Uh, well, I have now. Uh, oh, which is I've given some away, but yeah. then uh, I had to prep some of it uh, for the for the fridge, yeah, for the freezer. 
Yeah. So yeah, it was a lot of uh, cutting and dicing and you know doing certain things to it. But boy, howdy, it was a long it was a long afternoon. Anyway, uh, <laughs> where I was going with this yeah, was sure. the one problem I have with um, ordering food from the internet, uh, it, uh, grocery style, yeah. is uh, I get the sizes wrong. I'm like like I'll buy a shampoo and it'll be as big as my palm. You know, I'll be like, oh wait, that wasn't what I wanted. Or I'll get like a mouthwash that I think is like regularly sized yeah, mouthwash, yeah, yeah. and it's you know just as big as my chest. And it's just like, oh, that's wrong. And I made the mistake. Yeah. Uh, I bought some. I sometimes like to buy little bags of potato chips. Yes, like yes, yes. Halloween. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, yeah, they're great. Um, but uh, except so for I the plain some, ones. Blah. Yeah. So I got uh, some old Dutch, and good, uh, good. and I got way too many potato chips now too. But, like but, it was but, the but, box. It looked like last. it was much smaller than it was, and now it looks like I really should be putting these into a vending machine. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, those keep you. You don't have to rush through those. No, no, it's just finding homes for them in the cupboard. Mm, you know, again, mm, this mm. is my problem. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. Uh, you know, I do have a nice cupboards, but they have things in them. I, I, I have things that I sure, will cook sure, with, sure. and so I don't have room for a ginormous amount of potato chips. Just put the TV on it. Oh, that's fair. All right. That's a good TV stand. Okay. Yeah, I'll do that then. <laughs> I, I remember I used to have a roommate, and uh, her big dream was to have a vending machine. And it's like... Like she, to, have a, she, to have a string of vending machines? Yeah, it will start off with one. Yeah, yeah. And then and then build from there. Sure. But it was like, that was the get-rich-quick uh, scheme. It's a good money earner. Yeah, it was like, and then we'll build... Yeah, you, let me let me know the whole thing. And, uh, and, and yeah, this was the, this was the goal. It never happened. Cause, yeah. You know, yeah. Goals. Um, well also but, where uh, do you start? I mean, unless you, unless you're, I don't know how you start. Like we actually, we knew someone, Lisa used to teach a family and they had a nice bit of property in Langley here. You know, they had a acreage with horses on it and a barn and stuff like that. And if you, you said, well, how does that fellow make, earn his money? I'm, I guess he's a lawyer. And I would say, no, he just has vending machines around town. <laughs> <laughs> then you'd say, "What? He made money doing that?" And yes, quite a bit of money actually. And yeah. then, and then the whole thing went went terribly because his wife died, and then he married a, a woman who I don't know. I don't think she like was like evil hearted. She might have been. I don't know. But she like moved in, and then she like kind of like alienated his own children, but also alienated him from his own children. Oh, and then ooh. put her own children into ascendance, and then his daughters like they they sort of, <laughs> they sort of left, and uh, yeah, it was a weird thing to see happen. You know, like he seemed so sensible, but then he suddenly seemed like a big dum dum as all this was happening. You're like, can't you see what you're doing? But no, people people can't. Yeah, it's very strange. It's as if he was thinking with his penis, but yeah. <laughs> There's yeah, there's other parts of it to that yeah that are connected I suppose to the penis. Um, yeah, that'll, be, yeah uh, that'll that'll do it though. Yeah. That'll get you aimed in the wrong way and then it'll take sure. you all the way. Sure, it's a, sure. It's a bad judgment town. <laughs> it's uh this is this is just something that uh there's a all right let me try and let me try and uh, get all these kittens together and corral them all. Um, I want to go back to I want to go back to dancing, but but to you oh, you, okay. you can you continue you, you corral your kittens. Okay, um, uh, I was th- I I was asked to do a um, video podcast this week. Oh, nice, and, nice. Yeah, there you go. There you've done um, a, you've so, done a few though. I have done a few. That is, that is absolutely correct. 
Uh, and we're going to go down a little bit of a rabbit hole here. Okay. So this is this is with someone, and again, it's one of those things where like I'm not going to name uh, name names. So uh, it's someone who I used to work with back in the old improv days, and and uh, and they were going to do a, a piece on like cancel culture and cartoons, and thought, oh, maybe I'd have an opinion on this. I'm like, okay, yeah, that sounds sort of generally fun. Um, and it was it was weird because it's too was, bad like, you don't have an opinion on that. Yeah, I don't have a lot of opinions, which is how I'm not able to fill three hours a week in this hot nonsense. Um, so, so, but here's the thing: I was thinking, I was thinking, like, uh, oh, for for just a little bit of a beat there. Uh, oh yeah, but uh, she hasn't seen me, you know, in uh, quite a while, and I've put on I've put on weight since the uh, you know the COVID thing. Yeah, and I'm like, I wonder if that'll be a thing at all. And then it, and then I just, it was one of those things where you just start remembering a lot of stuff in a row. And I thought like, Hey, you know what? Uh, she was the first person to ever like do a fat joke about me on stage. I'm like, Oh yeah. And she also said this about me once. Oh yeah. And she also said this and that was insulting. Oh yeah. She was also kind of mean about this. I'm like, wait a second. And then I did this little trace thing that I, they sometimes do with, with people I know. And I, I go back and like, all right, this was a person who was my friend, yeah. I, or I thought I w was my friend. Mm -hmm. And they go like, okay, try and think of one kind thing they ever did for you. Think of one, just write out just something nice they said, yeah. uh, a hard time you were having, and they came, you know, and they and they were there for you. You know, you were moving, and they volunteered to help. Like something. Yeah. Just, just go through your yeah. go through your head. And I was like. I went through my head and I was like, no, not at all. Not at all. Nothing. I can think of nothing. Hmm. And it's, it's, it's one of those where like, well, why the heck was I hanging out with this person? And it's because they were funny. Mm, yeah. You know, they yeah. were a funny person and they appreciated my sense of humor as well. Sure, sure. And, and it just got me thinking about all these people that I would hang out with, you know, who were like, who were funny. And it was like, it, it's fun to laugh. And sometimes there was kind of, you know, mm -hmm. uh, maybe there was like a romantic element once in a while sometimes if it was ooh, like an opposite ooh, la, la. person. Or la, la, la. So there was, the, there was that kind of thing. But like there was, there was no like friendship friendship. Yeah. It was just yeah. almost like a relationship of, you know, it's pleasure. It's, 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 it's enjoyable. It's kind of, it's kind of competitive. It's kind of competitive friendship. There's also, there is a bit of, there is a bit of that. Sure. I'll give you, and not always. But it's like we like hanging out because and also sometimes you have, you know, the mutual targets that you want to you know yeah. talk about. And you know, I, I, it just got me thinking about like the relationships I've had in the past that I've kind of considered friendships where I'm like, I wonder if those were. And so <laughs> and so I and, and it was it was odd, too, because the other person who's hosting this podcast with her mm -hmm. was the first person to ever tell me that they thought that I could be uh, a comedian. Oh. She was the very first person. She said to me and another person uh, that I know that I used to work with uh, uh, quite a bit. But you know, I think you guys are going to be like main stage one day for sure. Uh -huh. I can see it. I can see it in you. And she was right, and we were. Yeah. Um. And it was like, oh, okay. So it was one of the people, first people to be positive to me. Yeah. And someone who was like consistently <laughs> negative to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought like, okay, well, I could do this show, but I feel like the second that she's and she's going to say something, just jokey about something uh, towards me and my appearance yeah. and i'm just gonna that's it i'm done <laughs> you want to be on this show gonna pull a real piers morgan hey yeah and then uh, and i'll do i'll do a big storm off and <laughs> yeah it's so it's so strange I, and i went yeah i don't think i'm gonna be doing this show and i was honest uh, with 
with them about it, just going, I'm not real comfortable with how I'm looking right now. So, you know, in a couple of months, maybe could be, you know, and that part I'm honest about. I didn't, I didn't tell, tell her it was because like, yeah, yeah. I you know, used to like hurt my feelings on a regular basis. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You know. maybe you should have said that. Uh, it feels weird. to Or say even better, like bring it up on the show. Yeah, that's true. Bring it, it on the show. That'd be I awesome. I thought about that. I thought oh. like, oh, if that comes up, I'll just bring it up on the show. Oh, that'd be awesome. It would make for, uh, I don't know, it'd be awesome. No, no. I mean, it would be awesome for me. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. But it's, it's just a weird situation thinking like, you know, I mean, literally this is decades past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be, it'd be like bringing up a high school thing mm. and just going like, aha. And I was like, no, it doesn't matter anymore. But, you know, eh, no, I think I'm good. No, well, thanks. Well, I remember, I remember a long time ago, this is also a long time ago, but hanging around with you and, and your stand-up comedian friends who I didn't know very well. Improvisers or stand-up? Stand-up friends. Okay. And I remember going like on a, we we're riding on the bus somewhere together and, and you know, it was a lot of Boothby and everyone's, everyone using each other's last names. Which was both the culture, but also the era. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I didn't, I never had a friend who called me by my last name. So that was kind of weird to me. And then, and then there was that kind of, it's, there's a lot of like, sort of niggling little comments to each other right everyone's trying to top each other and it's a lot of like kind of little insults and stuff and and i was actually kind of uncomfortable with you there like and actually one reason why i kind of kind of faded away a little bit i think from like hanging around with you when you did stand up which is probably okay with you because me being there was just like (laughs) no good at all but uh but yeah i just didn't it was like a really uncomfortable feeling to me so Mm -hmm. i kind of like i said this is not really my my thing yeah, I look back. Not that I'm a, nice, but no, just, no, no. It seemed seemed. Uh, yeah, like uh, I mean, I look I look back on you know the the kind of improv scene, yeah. and the, and the stand up scene, yeah. Like the stand up scene is almost like more. Here's the thing: I think the stand up scene was a bit more honest because okay. they were just more overt about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, the improv scene would always kind of uh, bury it and just like. Oh, but we're really supportive of each other, and you build on each other's <laughs> ideas, and the whole thing is making the other person look good. Mm-hmm. And fuck off, bullshit! You know, you were you were trying to like make yourself look good. Yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, but stand up, yeah. You know, we're all you know, and you're in it for you know yourself. Oh, okay. Well, that's kind of a jerk ass thing, but it's but you're being straight about it. So, all right. Fair that, I mean, that's fair enough. I mean. I mean, if you know, that's. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, that's what I mean. It was sort of competitive because everyone wants to be the best of, you know, and you and everyone's sort of trying out their, not their material, but trying out their persona on each other or whatever. You know what I mean? Like they're right. kind of like honing their wit or whatever. On yeah, it you feels, know, it feels though also it. It's like was that specific to the people I was with? Was that the era again? I I, I look at I yeah. Look I don't know. You're right. You're right. It was a different sort of time. And and you know, what what was comedy in say the '90s and then the early you know aughts? Mm-hmm. You know, it's you, you, you see like you know Comedy Central and it was a uh, Bill. It was Bill Maher on Politically Incorrect. Mm-hmm. It was like you know I think the I think the idea and, and South Park and what have you. And the idea was that you know if you can talk about everything then real honesty can come out and you get you know that's that's a noble thing don't be afraid to talk about anything at all mm-hmm. but not noticing that the people that were talking about anything at all were usually you know white guys <laughs> or like very attractive women yeah you know it was like yeah you can be a stand-up but you better be attractive unless you're you know and nothing against roseanne barr but she was the she was the outlier in that case yeah 
you know, or like a Whoopi Goldberg or so, or someone like that. But again, sure. that's the outlier in, in in that kind of case. Sure, and they kind and, of they kind of exploited that aspect of themselves and made right. Made, and made the whole thing is like you know, shock is good because you know we're we're pushing boundaries that need to be pushed, and now mm-hmm. we can say the things that need to be said because because we use that racial slur, and because we use that racial slur, now everyone's awake. Everyone's awake now, and we're all huh. Okay, it's fine. And it's like, well, yeah, I, I don't know if it is. No, no, everything must be able to be said. And, and in that way, then everything can be said. And then there'll be a utopian society. <laughs> it's like, hmm, okay, it's, let's look yeah. around this room and see, <laughs> and see this utopian society. It does have elements of other utopian societies that have been suggested in the past. <laughs> a lot of blonde guys. Lots. Okay, fair enough. Well, it's interesting because well, something that Mary and I were talking about on listening party plug no. this this week and this um, is like one big infomercial for this <laughs> and and by the way, since she's been vaccinated, yeah. she's been a little arrogant. So <laughs> she well, hey, let me just interrupt myself here to tell you that one of the ladies at at um, one of the old ladies at her home fell and broke her hip, which is terrible, and she had to go to the hospital. And while she was in the hospital, she got COVID because they needed to test her because now that she's broken her hip, she can't come back to where Mary works. She needs oh. to go to a different level of care, which they don't provide. Where Mary works, it's you're supposed to be independent of the staff for the most part. Like okay. they do their own laundry. They, they, you know, they have their own, they clean their own apartments and stuff. So they're not totally looked after. That is, you know what I mean? And, but this lady, now that she's broken her hip, She's going to have some mobility issues and stuff like that. So she needs to step up in a different level. But she got COVID while she was in the hospital, you know, with, for her hip problem. And But here's the thing. Because she got vaccinated, she has no symptoms. Oh. So she's just asymptomatic, you know, so she's carrying it. So she can't go into a home right now. She's got a... She's got a uh, can she spread it? Yes, she can spread it. Okay. So that's why she's in. That's why she has to stay in the hospital and can't return. She can't can't okay. go into her next home that she's going to go into until she's test. She has to test negative twice before she can go, and then um, and then when she goes, she has to she has to go under be in two weeks quarantine in okay. the new place as well. But yeah, I just thought it was interesting though. You know, like for people who are poo pooing the effectiveness of them, like even though she has COVID. She is not. Her life isn't at risk from it because she is not showing any symptoms. So I think that's kind of a positive, positive thing. No, that is great. No, I'm really glad to hear that. Yeah, it'd be very different if she wasn't if she wasn't vaccinated. Yeah, yeah. So, my, um, so as grand- oh, sorry, sorry. I was just going to say my grandfather-in-law is getting vaccinated uh, tomorrow. Oh, good, good. Yeah. So he's over 85 then, I assume, because uh, he is. Yeah, he's 95. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's the first group right now, and then 85, yeah. I think, is next week, and then it starts to head down, and we're sometime in 2023. So right. So it's like it's going to be him, and then a bunch of like young people in old age makeup. That's right. Sexy old lady. Yes. Why there's so many sexy old ladies here? Yeah. What is it? That's a lot of rapping grandmas. <laughs> <laughs> so, so back to uh, hip hip hippity break um so then uh yeah mary and i were talking on stinky dragon about this because i played a couple of we're doing a no- novelty songs and i played a couple of older novelty songs that are a little bit risque you know okay. and i was just talking about them in in the time how that they were like a kind of a freeing thing for the people who enjoyed them because you know it was such a kick against the repressive culture of that time period you know 
whether it was in the 50s or 60s, it had some meaning to it outside of it just being sort of a giggle uh, material. But it also was, you know, it was sort of kicking against the, you know, the sexually repressive times of the 50s, early 60s and stuff like that. But it feels like by the time you get to like the 90s and people are still like, you know, doing their kind of risque material and, and supposedly being very daring. I mean, what are you, what are you, what, what, what are you like, uh, being revolutionary against like the seventies already happened. Like, you know, the most sexually liberated time of a Brando voice. What do you got? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like there was the most like sexually drug, you know, everything like there was just like a free for all for a decade. And, you know, I can see if you're going to like, uh, coming out against that, but it doesn't feel like that's what they're coming out against. They're just sort of continuing on with what the 60s were doing, only it's, it's unmoored from its purpose now. Right, but if you're a stand-up, yeah. that's the 90s, yeah. what, is your, what is your target? Like, what is your target? So, you know, yeah. uh, you want to be... Bad drivers. Bruce, uh, you want to be Richard Pryor. Mm-hmm. You want to be, like, pushing the boundaries. Yeah. So it feels like it's got to be rape in the C-word. You yeah, because this is the stuff that makes people upset. So that must be the thing. That must be the button to push. And then again, the idea then is, oh, you're not just going to do a long thing on rape. You're going to use that to then truth tell whatever <laughs> you've got, mm-hmm. you know, uh, as well. But that's the shocking thing, a la South Park. They do the shocking thing, then slip in the, ah, but this is the, the real hypocrisy in society. Like sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it's, it's it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 all. But you're right. It, it's it's always a reaction to something. Mm-hmm. Humor is always a reaction mm-hmm. to something that's going on. And then when that thing changes and the humor is just there alone, you're just like, well, what? This <laughs> chemotherapy? It's terrible. Why would anyone do this? Years after cancer has been cured, this is stupid. Anyone yeah. who did this was an idiot. Yeah, you, know, yeah. you gotta admit that. There's no reason for it <laughs> at all. You ever notice? Yeah, you ever <laughs> notice when you're uh, on kidney dialysis, but you got your kids working? <laughs> it's dumb. You're an idiot for doing this. What are you doing? Doing the thing. So the early '90s. I just refresh my memory now. Um, was that like the second wave stand-up of like kind of popular stand-up period, or or was it like a doldrums then? Okay, so you had your because uh, the '80s were a big deal, right? Right, you had your comedy boom coming in end of the '80s, yeah, and then yeah, early '90s. That's the crash. Okay, okay. So what you ended up as well with is uh, some of the more moderate com- comedians would just like leave because you know what are you gonna do? Uh, so you got your really really good comics stayed, yeah, and then your uh, super shocking comics stayed as well because they had nowhere else to go. Well, you know. uh, so you had those those two extremes, yeah, you know. And then as Comedy Central kind of I think bloomed, uh, I think I think what they needed was well, what's the difference between what's on Comedy Central and you know because The Simpsons was a thing. You know, it's like, well, The Simpsons is pushing boundaries and you know, doing all this stuff, and it's groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. Well, what's that's mainstream Fox? That's that's a that's a regular network. Well, what could Comedy Central be? And it had to be like shocking shit. Mm. That's the most obvious thing. It's like it's shocking. It's stuff you couldn't see on cable. Okay, and then there there was like you know people trying to 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 you know aim their stuff at that. I believe you know. Also, it's just like, you know, when you have a crash, people get like angry and, you know, <laughs> the, this dream they had of, yeah. you know, uh, just going to just for laughs and getting 
the sitcom deal that would set them up for life, you know, that those bubbles popped. And, uh, and, and yeah, there's a little bit of bitterness floating around there. But look at someone like a Sarah Silverman, who is honestly one of the sweetest people in the world, uh, and now is really trying to reach out to like all different groups and, you know, is not really doing the, 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 the racial humor, any of that. But she was just a straight out shocked comic then, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and you think like, oh, she must, was it done with malice? No, no. quite the opposite. The idea was clearly she doesn't believe any of this stuff she's saying. Clearly, that's the whole gag, you know. But you know, you you, you look at the stuff now and go, hmm, I don't know. I, eh. But again, it's it's from a different era. So how do how it do is. You, tough to it's tough to judge it. My favorite. You know? I, I'm not. I'm not going to say exactly how she said it, but my favorite joke of by her from that period was some. Um, if you take a shower with your boyfriend, you'll never have cleaner breasts. <laughs> That's right. So that was a great, such a great observation, so accurate. So it just made me very happy. I saw that joke live. Yeah, that's very good. I read it. I, I read it in a Rolling Stone profile. I was in Rolling Stone mm-hmm. magazine, and uh, you know, I was very interested in in comedy at that time. But it was hard to see it or find it because you know my life was very much uh, baby centric. So it was hard to. Uh, you know, the 90s are a bit of a blur in some ways for me. I think the 90s are generally Cult- a blur. Culturally speaking. It's like one of the most popular shows was The X-Files. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those shows that only could exist in the 90s. Because now I know there was like, you know, there's real problems still. There was racism and poverty. And it's like, okay, there's real problems. I get it. But <laughs> there wasn't the overt problems of, Oh, we're going to get nuked any day or, you know, this horrible pandemic is around, you know, it's like there was still, you know, uh, HIV, but it wasn't like, oh, it's growing and it's going to take, it's like, there wasn't wasn't like a a big war that was going on. So you could have a show like the X-Files where like, well, what's the fear? Um, the government, maybe they're making up stuff that you don't know. And they're, uh, you know, things look like they're fine. But maybe that's because they're not. How about that? Do you ever think of that? That the that everywhere you go, which seems like a normal thing, is not. <laughs> it's like okay, well, you can't really have that anymore because things look not normal on the surface, or at least ha- haven't for a while. You know, X Files makes little to no sense. And when they did the re redo of it, they made like the Alex Jones character the good guy. It's like nope, <laughs> none of that works anymore. Not at all. No, it's true, not and it's and it, yeah, it's funny because all the kind of government conspiracy elements of that show has become so above ground now, where it's just like almost mainstream. The the idea of of some sort of government, you know, conspiracy somewhere. You know, people people have very little trouble believing that sort of thing. It's, they don't quite they don't quite understand how incompetent government is, but it's. Uh, yeah, and of course the other problem with the X Files now is, uh, hey, I saw a monster. I'll take a picture of it with your phone. Oh yeah, you're right. Like, <laughs> send it immediately. There, monsters exist. Oh, you're right. Thanks for sending me that picture immediately. Yeah, I get. I believe you now. Yeah, I believe you too. All right, all works out. Okay, end of the X Files. The end. See, but that show was on 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 an evening when I was working, so I I, I never watched it. So I missed it, I missed that whole chunk of 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 the nineties. It was a it was an interesting cultural thing in that you know as you know they shot it here. I had a friend who was in it, mm-hmm. but yeah. like yeah. you know there was a guy who was one of the lone gunmen 
who continued to work at the library, <laughs> you know, while he was on it because we lead normal lives here. So yeah. aside from the leads in the, in the show, you know, people would go and be on the X-Files and it would be like a big cultural thing. And, but it didn't matter because we're still this little town that just like made this thing. And then, yeah, who cares? And then you go back to work at the library. People were like, is that the guy from the X-Files? Well, they couldn't be. Couldn't be. He's working at the library. Yeah. That makes no sense. What's he? No. It is? Okay. <laughs> yes. That is the an odd, an odd factor. Although, I guess that's any show here. There's people that you recognize. Yeah, but they don't. Yeah. And, you know, but back but then, now, especially. Now, nowadays, it feels more like a culture of uh, all the TV shows that are made here. But at that time, X-Files was the show that was made here. Yeah, it really set it really set the tone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, it, and it, it set the tone for so many other shows, and just it really, it really, really did matter. Well, I guess and, what you uh, could say is Exiles was made here, but also kind of it was also kind of based here, even though it didn't like say it was based here. It really used the the climate and the you know the yeah. the terrain and everything. Like I mean, MacGyver was filmed here, but you would never have known because MacGyver did not look like it was filmed here. It didn't take advantage of... Yeah, they fought it. They fought against... Yeah, yeah. Like Vancouver. They wanted to look like New York, uh, you know, or L.A. or wherever they... Uh-huh, wherever uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. They basically they like, they filmed... Creepy They only trees. filmed in the summer. They only filmed in the summer, so they never... Yeah. yeah. I have a, I have a, a, a good friend who uh, was was his neighbor there, and it's like, you have know, a friend, Robin, Robin Mosley, was like his kind of, you know, uh, sh- sh- schmuck neighbor. And uh, that's just weird to me. I'm like, oh yeah, you were like on the show again on MacGyver. On MacGyver, yeah. Wow, they wanted to film at Lisa's mom and dad's place. They wanted, and and they decided no. Uh, yeah, Lisa's dad said no. He didn't want. He didn't want a bunch of people there that he didn't know. And they also wanted to uh, drill a hole in the ground and put up a big giant uh, like wind. You know, one of those kind of wind-driven water 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 wells kind of things. You know, they kind of mean like. The big, like, like if they showed it on any TV show, I think in Small, Smallville they had one because there there was the Smallville house uh, near where we live, and they they remodeled the house and then they put up one of those towers with the with the propeller on top of it. And what those are in reality are pumps for what like for the fresh water. And oh, uh, okay. so they wanted to put a fake one on on, on the Williamson's property, at least my dad's place. But her dad just he didn't like strangers anyway hanging around their place. He was, mm-hmm. he wouldn't, some students came one time and they wanted to like do a study of the, the barn owls at the farm. And he was like, get, get out of here. So yeah, he didn't like anyone like hanging around. I think he let one, I guess a friend's son was making a movie and he let them come and film some stuff around the spooky old root cellar in the, in the, uh, in the barnyard. But other than that, he just wasn't, he didn't like people it was around. Just so. that, that and 20 pornos. And that, was it. <laughs> that was all, that's all he allowed. That's all he allowed. One thing, one thing that was interesting about that time <laughs> Like, and again, my friend Robin, like never, no one cared, right? Like there were, again, there wasn't really the internet then. So, you know, <laughs> you'd go, you'd shoot your thing, then you go back home, you yeah. do your thing. Yeah. And he'd come and he'd do improv and I do improv with him quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, it'd be fine. And maybe someone would recognize him once in a while, like, hey, like, oh yeah. Mm. <laughs> uh, but it, it, it changed when it was, uh, my, my friend Dean became one of the lone gunmen. Okay. Because uh, that was just the start of kind of the internet. Oh, okay. And it was exactly the kind of character that people on the internet liked because he was like them. Yeah. 
And, and, and this is one of those where you really got the idea of just like, oh, wait, wait, people are noticing this. And it isn't just like go and do the thing and then come back and just be normal. It was like, hmm, yeah, it's just, it's it, to, to then when another person I know, uh, Gary was a regular on Stargate yeah. and played the guy who opens the Stargate. Yeah. By that point, uh, it was funny because Gary was, I think he auditioned for like the Lone Gunman and didn't get the part. Yeah. And so there was always like something they would rib uh, Dean about the super lucky break that he got, <laughs> like this crazy lucky break that just made him, you know, a star and a, yeah. a, you know, for, 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 for quite a while. And then he got this weird lucky break that he had no idea about <laughs> on Stargate. Yeah. Again, because he wasn't, you know, he didn't follow Stargate message boards or anything. Then all of a sudden, like I, I saw him at his first, convention he was in san diego comic-con mm -hmm. and i saw him just before he was going to do his first panel and he was like yeah this is weird and it's like i've been there a couple of times and i sort of knew the lay of the land yeah and i was just saying to them to him enjoy it it's going to be very very strange <laughs> just roll with it and you know you don't have to talk all the time you're going to want to don't and <laughs> And uh, and so and then I went to watch him and it was, uh, you know, this uh, room with thousands of people. He was the first person who was introduced because he was going to introduce everyone else in the cast. And he came out and thunderous applause, <laughs> like, you know, not the Beatles, yeah. but not Herman's Hermits. <laughs> in yeah. And, uh, and, and, he, and he did like a mild joke, mild joke. Killed, destroyed, <laughs> like just a wave of power laughter. Yeah, yeah. And this is someone who you know is a comedian. Yeah, yeah. And and feeds on this, and all of a sudden he's gone from getting just a little bit of morsels, just mm, tiny little <laughs> morsels, and then it's just like, you know, the the biggest raw feed of this stuff, and and you just saw him like taken aback, like he was hit by a windstorm, but he was fine, and then and then he would introduce. You know all the different people, and they'd get even more applause. And yeah, occasionally yeah. he'd throw in a joke, and it would again destroy. And <laughs> and afterwards, I talked to him, and he was like just stunned. I'm like, yeah, that's that's it's just such a weird thing. Yeah. Now you're going to go back to Vancouver, and it's not going to matter. And that's also going to be weird. No one's going to give a shit. No one's going to give a shit. But you can always come to here, and 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 there'll be thousands of people who will just cheer for you. Mm -hmm. It's very very weird and off put. Putting and, and good if you if you treat it in the right way and it can destroy you if you don't treat it the right way. Yeah, it'll mess you up. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I guess with the lone gunman, I guess yeah, this is the kind of cusp of the internet as we know it. So really, and also really the sort of like an intense fan culture which existed to a degree with something like Star Trek, but you know, like once the internet got rolling, it just seemed like you know any the you know fans of everything kind of just you know, disappeared out of, out of nowhere and suddenly there was all, this all these different, you know. It always felt like there was a bitterness, though, whenever they interviewed the original cast of Star Trek. They'd always have, like, a bad Shatner story or something, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you, you never, you talk to Scotty and uh, just be like, hmm, is he okay? How's he doing? Is he all right? How's he, how's he doing? Uh, okay, you all right? Uh, George Takei seems all right. He seems, oh, now he's enjoying it. He gets it. Takei gets it now. Okay, now he's rolling <laughs> with it. It's fine. Takei's fine. You know, they they they, under, they understood it as things as things went on. But otherwise, yeah, very like Dean was on the cover of TV Guide. Like he was the uh, the biggest fake. Like when the Lone Gunman had their own TV show. Yeah. 
for for a brief period of time. Vince Gilligan was the was the creator for yep. Breaking Bad. Yep. Out of the show. And was on the cover of TV Guide. What's that gonna do to you? <laughs> yeah. What the hell is that gonna do to you? You were like you auditioned for this little bit part, it built up, it, it caught fire, yeah. now you've got your own TV show. What the shit? You know, this oh just it's such an emotional roller coaster. It's such something you can never prepare a person for. No, I don't yeah. Do you think um I, you said his name, but I, I don't know if we're. Uh, do you think that he did did it okay with it, or do you think he uh, it kind of hit knocked him sideways a bit? Um, it's. I think he's like he's he's a very talented comedian. Mm-hmm. So I think what he's done is he's 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 taken that skill, and when he goes and he does conventions, because frankly, conventions are just a license to print money at this point. Once you have a degree of fame, yeah. Um, so he does a thing where. He will do a one-person X Files episode and do and 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 make that just a bunch of improv scenes that are you know basic improv scenes that you and I know, uh, but kill just absolutely destroy. And then um, uh, afterwards, he will sell the uh, the video or DVD of that evening to the people who want to buy a copy of it. And and does quite well with that. Okay. So you know, in a in a way, you know, you're now chaining yourself to that. Yeah, yeah. You know, but it's you know, it's it's now you you've done a thing that now will pay your bills for the rest of your life. So is that a positive? You know, or <laughs> are you now limited Leonard Nimoy style, and you're always Spock? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Though he went on to do some directing and stuff, he did. Uh, sure, some, sure, but he really, yeah. but he was kind of typecast as a. As yeah, you're going. I mean, you're going to be that, right? I mean, it's probably but, more fun when he was younger, pre Spock, and he was just like an actor who was on lots of different shows during the '60s, and he'd be on Gunsmoke, and then he'd be on Mannix, and he'd be on The oh, Fugitive, was, and you know what, what I mean. What was the thing he did where he had that Australian accent? Have you seen that? <laughs> I've not, not seen that. Oh my stars! Oh, look up. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. stop this podcast now and look up Leonard Nimoy Australian accent, and I mean that especially to our Australian listeners. <laughs> I thought you're talking to me. You want me to stop the podcast? As well, sit back and enjoy. <laughs> All right, I'll be back in a couple of minutes. All right. All right. No, I'm, not, I'm not going to. I am not going to go watch that. Holy shit, huh? Wasn't that something? <laughs> sure. Yep. I don't know if there's blimey. Uh, it, I don't know though if there is that. Uh, complete typecasting that there used to be where if you just do one thing and that's that's what you are forever i think i think because there's so yeah, many i think there channels. was i think that happened to bella lugosi yes back in the day i think that happened Absolutely. to boris karloff to a degree as well sure 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 but i think like now i look at someone like speaking of breaking bad um i'm, I'm blanking on the lead fella's uh, name but brian <sighs> brian yeah sorry. Okay. you know he does malcolm in the middle he's the goofball dad mm-hmm and uh and then he you know does breaking bad mm-hmm. and like you think like oh no this guy this guy is is you know typecast for forever oh, oh, oh there you go and <laughs> and you know radically different care and then after that he still does occasionally goofball character roles you think no he's going to be like doing the drama now it's like no 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 just mixes it up character guy here we go you know sometimes plays this sometimes plays that all right there you go Albert Brooks sometimes plays comedy, sometimes plays very dark. <laughs> you know? 
Yeah. No, I mean, that's true. That's true. But I, Bill, Bill Murray, I think, fought against that, you know, and, you he, know. Uh, he tried. He tried part, anyway. So. He did his best. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, he's had, he's had success, you know. in More uh, recently. Doing, more recently, yeah. yeah right. Sure. You know, hooks into a Wes Anderson role. Mm-hmm. And he's definitely not playing the old Bill Murray type. You know, he's no, no, no. Of, yeah, sometimes yeah. he's got some good laughs in there, mm-hmm. but he's definitely, you know, trying different things. Sure, sure. And people are accepting of that. Yeah. But I think someone like Bill Murray, I pers- I think that he gave up, I think he gave up on, on the idea of being a superstar. Like at some point he just thought, no, no, this isn't for me. And he just kind of stepped back for a while. And, you know, and I, I mean, the Razor's Edge was, was a bit of a commercial disaster. So that might have been in- incentive enough for him to to step back, but he definitely took like a three-year hiatus where he didn't do very much. Wouldn't you say that's mm-hmm. true? Or am I just imagining that? Well, I'm trying to think like when the Razor's Edge was. Let me just take a look here. That was... Uh, 87 or so? 80, maybe it, was like, an eight, it was an 1984 film, so it came oh, out the same year oh. as Ghostbusters. Okay, wow. wow. Yeah. Huh. Well, I wonder which one he did first. It's very strange. They would yeah, do a no, re- I remake say, I, of I a Somerset see... Mom book. Strange. Yeah, and then you know, at the same time, you had Steve Martin, who was... You know, uh, doing pennies from heaven, and you know, trying to do a that, darker. That was, yeah, that was a that was a flop, of course, but that was a, it was a flop. But it was yeah. it was definitely something people coming out of that Saturday Night Live, uh, you know, a school, or you know, uh, they could have just done just been Chevy Chase and just been doing like well, I'm going to play the same character over and over and over. Yeah, 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 yeah. But both sure. of them seemed like no, let's. Push some boundaries. Let's try some stuff. Let's do some I, stuff that isn't necessarily safe. Yeah, you know, and and yeah. both of them have cheaper, had cheaper by the dozen. The re- return of the return of the Pink Panther. That's very. That's uh, much later. That's much later. <laughs> o- on. Operation Dumbo Drop. Um, do you think that they maybe tried to sabotage their career a bit, or do you think they just, or did Steve Martin just decide that he wanted an art gallery and he just like. I'm just doing it for the cash. Kind of like Robert De Niro. Once he started his own production company, he's like, just got to start doing it for the cash. I don't care what the movie is. I'm just going to do any movie they well, offer me. I mean, I think, you know, you look at, okay. He was, he, he did a mix of, you know, broad comedy mixed with um, tenderness in something like a Roxanne or a Planes, Trains and Automobiles. Right. Uh, and I think try to with LA story people, some people like that. That wasn't for me or even. Really? What? You don't like that movie? No, no, I don't. Um, uh, or parenthood, you know, had a lot of broad stuff, but also like the tender. Uh, but I think like at a certain point he realized, you know, you can't be, you know, at that point he's playing the dad, he's playing the dad. And after that, he goes into father of the bride, but like, he's playing the dad. He's not the romantic lead anymore. Yeah. He's not that guy. So like, you're going to be a character guy, then, then just lean into the character stuff. And then occasionally he'd do something like, what was it? The Spanish prisoner. You know, it was very, very good in that. Mm, I haven't seen that movie. Oh, that's one of my, oh, I really like that film. Hmm. Um, but that, again, you got to be into the David Mamet school of uh, direction, which is just say the lines. <laughs> just say, say, just say the lines. Say them. Good. Now leave, 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 just leave, go. Now say, now another person enter. Say your lines. No, no, don't improvise. Say them. Okay, now leave. And you know, you gotta trust that David Mamet is taking you somewhere. Yeah, but I think in Spanish Prisoner he does, and he casts—I forget her name—but it's his uh, wife. Uh, she's got a very unique style that I think works very well in that. Hmm. But yeah, I think like both Steve Martin and Bill Murray—they saw the writing on the wall, and, and like yeah, with Bill Murray, just like you know, 
no one wants me to be the romantic lead at this point. So what am I going to be? The goofball? Okay. Now the menacing person? Maybe. And then... Hope you know, and Glory? Then, well, not Hope and Glory. Was it called Something in Glory? I'm not sure. Where he played the he played the guy who got mixed up with a, with a gangster or something like that? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think yeah, it was I know directed by I the know. guy who directed Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Right. Yeah. I can't remember the name of it now. It wasn't, he, it wasn't very good. It was pretty dull. Then movie. he kind of got into the Wes Anderson world and where he could have a little bit more, you know, weight to the, those bizarre parts and, <laughs> you know, and Jim Jaramusch stuff. And yeah, he, you know, and then so, uh, Sofia Coppola, you know, as well. He's, you know, hooked his wagon to, uh, you know, a lot of uh, directors with interesting takes. And and he doesn't have to do meatballs for, so that's good. <laughs> Whereas again, Chevy Chase would be very happy to do Vacation Part sixty five. You know, yeah, he's yeah. done a lot of vacation movies. Long oh boy, you, long as you pay him. Yeah, I'm just kind of curious what. Um, I'm kind of curious of his mid career. I always wonder if that's like. Uh, who, who are we talking about now? Bill Murray. Bill Murray. Yeah, because he just kind of. Um, I don't know. Okay. Oh, Mad Dog and Glory. That's what it was called. Okay, yeah, yeah. With Rob, uh, Robert and, and he did direct Quick Change as well. He tried to, which is it's okay. It's, all right. it's okay. It's okay. It's all right. What are you gonna like? You're on a plane. You watch it. You're fine. Yeah, I mean, Quick Change is okay. What about Bob? Is not great. No, it's but, not. Uh, it's not. It's not really good. But then no. he did Groundhog Day, which is a really good movie. Yeah, I I have a problem with repetition, so I'm not a big fan of it. Um, <laughs> which is weird because I like so many movies that are Groundhog Day esque, but yeah. I'm not a huge fan of Groundhog Day, which people love, and you know I just feel like I'm 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 on the outside of that one, and I'm wrong. I realize I am incorrect that it is a it is a really good movie. So and they did Kingpin, which uh, you know uh, uh, critics liked, which okay, fine, yeah, it's fine. No, it feels like so. Yeah, so he did. He did Mad Dog and Glory, which is a dull, dull, dull movie. Uh, Then he then he kind of moved into doing like like supporting roles in movies because he did Ed Wood, Mm -hmm. and then he did. um, He's very good. An interesting director. Yeah, and then he did Kingpin, which I think he's very good in Kingpin Mm -hmm. as the as the as the bowling champion. Just because it kind of it's kind of a revival of, of it's sort of an improvement to me on his on his characters in Meatballs and Groundhog Day, which is basically, you know, we'll just bring you in, Bill, and you just improvise something, and then we'll, we'll just kind of work around whatever you do. And I feel like that's what he's doing in um, Kingpin, but it's more thematic and, and the character's more interesting to me, that Ernie, whatever his name is in that movie. Right. And then he did a cup. he did Larger Than Life, and then The Man Who Knew Too Little, which, you know, our reactions to those films pretty much shows what those films did. And then he moved to, yeah, then he started moving into the Wes Anderson orbit and did uh, Rushmore, which is quite good in, but he's, he's not Bill Murray in it. He's like a new actor in those films. Right. And I look at, I look at him in, um, what's the, uh, what's the one with the kid that falls in love and there's a tent and uh, it's, uh, Oh, so good. Moonrise Kingdom. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Moonrise Kingdom. And it's like, in that one, he's got some Bill Murray-esque things and physicality. But yeah, he's playing almost a straight character, but playing mm-hmm. just giving it that little goose that uh, Bill Murray can give it, and it's like, yeah, it's got a nice, uh, nice bit of heart to it as well. And it's like, good, good, good for him. Yeah, hooray, hooray for you. I think, <laughs> I think the smart. I mean, not everyone has the option to 
work with interesting directors, but it feels like he really made an effort to go, oh, who's an interesting director? Mm -hmm. All right, let's see where you're going. Yeah, yeah. And even with What About Bob, that was uh, directed by Frank Oz, who yeah. he worked with uh, very briefly in um, A Little Shop of Horrors. But like, mm -hmm. Frank right. Oz was always an interesting director. Yeah. You know, he let me take you in a weird in a weird place. So it made sense, like, oh, all right, what about Bob could work? And then, you know, Richard Dreyfus apparently didn't get along with him. And there you go. And then it <laughs> happens. Then it happens. Well, Bill Murray's very tall. So that's probably. Yeah, that's not. Yeah, that's, that is a flaw of Bill Murray's, is his tallness. <laughs> I, I, just, I always find that surprising to learn that he's tall because he doesn't. <laughs> He doesn't play tall. He doesn't look tall. Like he's not, you know what I mean? Like they don't, his movies don't accentuate his tallness. He, you know, I always get the feeling like someone like him would be good at any sport. Mm -hmm. Like you just give him like a baseball and he'd just be throwing it hard. Or like he'd probably play a good game of soccer, even if he hadn't really played soccer before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just seems like one of those guys that's. Sure, like, sure. When he was younger, yeah, I think he probably, I think, well, he came out of a family yeah. of boys. So, you know. And now he's got that uh, thing he does where he just like, inserts himself into real life weird situations and like will go into a soccer game or something just start playing and then like leave I'm like was that bill murray yep and that's a bill murray experience and there's been a whole movie about that people's weird experiences with bill murray yeah and this whole thing of like afterwards going and no one's gonna believe you <laughs> hope you hope you got it on pick on film because or not film but anyway whatever yeah steve martin will give a card out and i'm trying to remember specifically what it says but it's like this is to uh, authenticate that you had uh, a genuine human interaction with Steve Martin from the card. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. So this is your proof. Because hmm. they know what they are to people. They know how much, you know, the roles and things that they've done have meant to people. And again, then you turn and go, Chevy Chase. Okay. <laughs> Chevy Chase is, is, is good because he's the, you know, he's the, he's the other group. And just like, well, maybe this is the normal, but no, no, no. Let's see, you know, both. Let's, we'll start two people, very successful, Saturday Night Live, and let's just see where they go and what they do. And like, all right, okay, this is good to know. Well, this too, you know, for Chevy Chase, it was, you know, obviously cocaine was a major career hinderer. And you don't think uh, like a Bill Murray or a Steve Martin were uh, involved with the cocaine? Or you know what? Just, I'm, well? I'm sure they, I'm sure they, they, they you know, to partook in the in the festivities, but I, I don't think that they let it take over their lives. I mean, yeah, yeah Chev, I mean, Chevy had his uh, pain med issues. Yeah, but... well, he had cocaine addiction, and then he had then he had painkiller addictions. You know, which were both unfortunate things, and you know, and it makes it hard to for you to have good judgment because you need money. More do you than... think that? Yeah, do you think it was also um, like when did when did he get? To, I don't say when did he get off cocaine, but when was he going through his cocaine withdrawal or what how would you say if he was if he was dealing with the cocaine addiction well i don't mean he was he was, wasn't withdrawing from it he was buying it so he, yeah you know but, so like he was like when they did caddyshack you know he was ma yeah. ma majorly you know major a major cocaine user you know that well this is, the, this is my thing it's like i i my feelings on chevy chase are that he, and again is this is just as me being a judgmental fucker maybe it is maybe mm -hmm. i am yeah, yeah. Um, but like, he seems to me to be a cocaine comic. Like when you see him on Saturday Night Live, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, cocaine was good then. Yeah, yeah. That was the thing. Like you see, you see the way he's talking 
and what he's doing mm-hmm. and you know the stunts he's able to do and it's like oh yeah he's a coke comic it is kind of mm-hmm. when you've got a guy who knows it's like robin williams when you've got a guy who's like oh yeah he's he's using the cocaine well this is good yeah it makes him faster it makes him sharper sure. uh, it's it, the energy is just a it's great mm-hmm. oh good for you you can't keep it up forever obviously yeah uh, and then like okay now he's going to be off cocaine later let's see uh, what that's like hmm. <laughs> it's a little slower just the beats the beats are a little off like it's 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 not you know dun 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 dun, dun. it's now dun 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 <laughs> yeah and you're like oh it's just that little bit that's off and it's like all of a sudden hmm. now you're in man about the man sure. of the house the other problem for Chevy Chase was his friend Doug Kenny, who uh, wrote Animal House or co-wrote Animal House, co-wrote Caddyshack, uh, either fell or killed himself in Hawaii. Well, I think he was with Chevy Chase at the time when that happened. They went there together and they were having a grand old time. And then, you know, Kenny uh, killed himself while they were... And I think that really knocked him for off balance as well. You know, so he had the, the problems. He had three problems. One is... He did foul play, huge success. Then he did a movie just for money because they offered him a lot of money. That dog oh, movie, that. Oh Lucky Dog, oh, or whatever. Oh, uh, yeah, where he was. Oh Heavenly Avenger. Dog or something, yeah. yeah. Which was a total, literally a dog of a film. But you know, when you're trying to work your career up, you really you can't afford big stum- big stumbles like that, right? Then he went from that to doing Caddyshack. And Caddyshack, I'm not a huge Caddyshack fan. I think it has some good moments in it and stuff. And, but it's very popular. And Ted Knight is very good. But it was not a success it, at the it, time. It, it, was, it, was, it wasn't a success? It wasn't a success at the time, no. It was a, considered a flop at the time. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. So so that, you know, so he kind of had like a bad, wow. you know, so that was like a bad thing for him. And then, and then Kenny dying, you know, kind of sent him into a tailspin. And I think he had some trouble getting out from under that. You know, but he did have successes. I mean, he did, you know, obviously did vaca- uh, Vacation, uh, National Lampoon's Vacation. Yeah, Spies Like Us did well. Spies Like Us did okay. The Fletch film, the first one did all right. I don't think the second one did as well, but, you know. Uh, and then I think his last big movie was um, Memoirs of an Invisible Man. And I don't know why that movie didn't do better than it, it did, because I think that's a really good movie. Like I would say, I'll tell you what my theory is. Uh, John Carpenter, uh, of course. Uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, I think my theory on that is mm-hmm. the title. Oh, really? Yeah. What are we going to see tonight? Uh, do you want to go see Memoirs of an Invisible Man? <laughs> no. How about Chevy Chase is the Invisible Man? Oh, that sounds great. Let's see that. Yeah, that's okay. Chevy I think you're, yeah, you're right. Memoirs you're right. of well, what's that about? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's probably Chevy Chase wanting to be serious and not wanting to be. Well, it, I believe it was based on a book. It was based so... on a, was based on a book, but who? How? How many times did they change the title of a book? Yeah. You know, like it was originally World According to Agarp. No, I'm just joking. It wasn't. <laughs> I mean, you look, at, you look at like Vacation, yeah, which, you know, based on uh, John Hughes, you know, short stories. Serious uh, short stories, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but like, what's the title? Vacation. Hey, that sounds great. Anyone see Vacation? Oh, I would like to see Vacation. What's well, National Lampoon's Vacation? Oh, you know, National Lampoon's Animal Hunt. That was good. Vacation. I'd like a vacation. Let's see, see that. Yeah, it's like titles. Titles matter. I think you're right. Yeah, for sure. I was actually watching a, a little video today talking about why Firefly failed. And it was interesting, actually. There's a few things that this person... I didn't know. But one no, thing... This, he, is the, this is the Joss Whedon sci-fi. That's right. Uh, that's right. And the, he was, And the guy was saying, like, one reason the movie didn't do very well was they changed the title... 
to serenity rather than keep it as firefly mm-hmm. and you, you take away some brand recognition when you do that your super fans know about it but your average person who might be like oh that was a tv show yeah we should we you should, should do you know, a star trek i've heard some good things movie. you call it star trek yeah the movie yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right the movie the picture. <laughs> yeah yeah you call it firefly the movie um and then and and uh, here's a fascinating thing which i I like Serenity pretty much, but I particularly don't like the end of the film. Uh, I don't want to spoil it for people, but there's a major character that dies in the movie, and it just seems like so gratuitous and awful that it just really just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. And the reason that that happened was that the studio, Universal Studios, was thinking, you know, this could be a franchise. And so they wanted to sign the actors to multi-picture deals. And so everyone signed, except for Ron Glass and Alan Tudyk, who for whatever reason uh, balked at the idea of signing a multi-picture deal for, for, for this. And so they got killed off. Oh, I just thought it was... Um, <laughs> it's the biggest problem with Joss Whedon. Uh, yeah. Uh, maybe not anymore. Um, but uh, the Joss Whedon thing of like, you know, and Buffy, oh, I really like this couple. Yeah. they're. Mm-hmm. The, you know what? I think this relationship is really going to work out for kill them. Oh, <laughs> come on. Every time. Yeah. 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 Uh, I it's agree. Like you, you know, the yeah. person's going to die. Yeah. You know, so even when you're watching like the Avengers, you're like, okay, who's gonna, mm-hmm. and then you're watching Avengers two Ultron. All right. Who's, uh-huh. Yeah. That's just for you. He's going to end up with someone killing someone. Else. Yeah. I, and I, I don't really like that element of his, of his, uh, idea of what makes good drama i think i think it's uh kind of cheap it can be it can be very it can be very moving i mean the mm-hmm. the death of buffy's mom is definitely not not as a dramatic thing obviously not personally but as a dramatic moment in the show is is very well done and it's very you yeah. know it's, it's it's great it's great fodder for drama you know but and i think i think like the, the two most successful deaths were that one, and I'm not going to say the character in case mm-hmm. people are watching it, mm-hmm. but there's a character who just randomly kind of gets shot. Like, after all this Yeah, yeah, I didn't, all, I didn't like that as much as... I, I didn't really no, like I that. I was because, like... Yeah. Uh, because the person who does it is that kind of desperate person that in real life... This is the real life thing that would happen. Mm-hmm. And you've set up all this world of... Just what, like, just what Buffy know, needed. <laughs> More yeah, real well, life. <laughs> well, this is, this is why it's shocking. That vampire show. You know, there's magic and there's mm-hmm. robots and there's all these things that are there and there's a destiny and witches. And then a guy just like is just at the end of his rope, pulls out a gun and just shoots randomly and then shoots the wrong person. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's not even the person who they were intending to kill because, you know, this is a boob with a gun and people don't know how to fire guns. You know, especially guys like this don't know how to fire guns. So he shoots the wrong person. And, you know, an innocent person is killed because he tried to use a gun. I'm like, well, that feels like something that's right, you know, and, and is shocking and works, you know, uh, to me. And again, the, the mom, you know, doesn't die of anything, you know, elaborate or magical. It's just, yeah, sometimes this kind of thing happens. Yeah, it's I, just, I, I, it's just real life in there. Yeah, I preferred that. I, I just, I didn't like the storyline that, that, uh, that, that the death of the other character, uh. Well, it, it then it then went into yeah, Dark Phoenix. Dark Phoenix, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, this didn't really, didn't like, didn't really think much of it. This but. is just a general thing that, unfortunately, and more 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 likely, it's always like fellas who are just like, 
you know, well, maybe if that woman got a lot of power, she'd go crazy. <laughs> she'd go crazy. You know what? Power corrupts. Yeah. Listen, uh, power let's, have all, women. Uh, let's have all our friends gathered around talking about, we got a killer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, we're going to kill her. Like, no. Only, is she okay. listening when this happens? Of course she is. You, of course she is. I don't know. Uh, we, I am as a, as, a, as a reader slash viewer. <laughs> and just go like, well, yeah. then you're a bunch of boobs. No yeah. one's ever talked about killing Thor. That guy's a bit too powerful. He controls the storm. We should figure a way of killing that guy if it comes down to it. What? Why? No. Don't be an idiot. Although we are arguing about a... a, a Period of uh, Buffy that I that I refuse to believe exists. So that no, fair enough. That's, you know, that's that's me. That's just me though. But anyway, I, I found that like I thought that was quite interesting out, though. I think anything outside of the animated pilot uh, doesn't exist, and the video <laughs> games are also canned. But aside from that, I um yeah like uh, no, I thought it was interesting about uh, Firefly slash Serenity because you know he fought like they didn't the uh, studio didn't want the married couple in the in the show didn't want oh. uh, yeah and so you know he fought for that he fought for them. To be part to be in the show, and so to kill off one of them later on, it just feels like meh. Yeah. It was it was it like spiteful? It was that a spite kill? Like you know, you won't sign a contract while I'm just going to kill your character. I mean, it's partly then I don't have to worry about these characters coming back again or not coming back again. I don't have to explain why they're gone in the next movie. But at the same time, you know, when you're doing a movie like that, you want people to walk out of the theater going like, you know, what a what a great movie. That was fantastic. What, a, what an exciting ending of that film. Oh, I just loved how at the end of the film, all everyone was together and they all had like a big group hug and everyone was like, yay. Yeah, but if you if you talk to people about, all right, let's go with the equivalent. You know, Star Trek, there's a series. Was canceled too early? Who knows? Maybe. <laughs> Bring it back. And they have, uh, they, they have the first movie. And yeah, everyone at the end is, yay, we're all fine. Hooray. Boo, we don't like the movie. For <laughs> Well, not because of that, though. Yeah, it's know, it's because of the four-hour sequence where they talk to yeah. a satellite dish. But then the second film, yeah. kill off huge major character. Yeah. Everyone thinks it's the greatest film. It's like, amazing. This is the best. Look at this film. And not for not doing that. I mean, that was a big part of it. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, but that, learn. that is a, very much. But it, that's not, just a, that's not a, just a character randomly dying, though. That's a character who sacrifices himself. Mm-hmm. For his for his team for the people, the the death of the character in Firefly is a random act that has no meaning at all. It doesn't. It's not a sacrifice. It's not. He didn't. He didn't have to like you know. Yeah. That didn't it's, have to happen yeah. for him to save yeah. them. You know, like he didn't like he lands a spaceship and he lands it perfectly safely and he does it and he, against all odds he succeeds in in landing a spaceship and then he's killed randomly. <laughs> like it's just. Yeah. It's just like. Fuck this movie. That's your first thought when that happens. I yeah. remember I remember people in the audience yelling no. Yeah. During that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's your and that's your again, again, that's your takeaway. The mindset is uh the hack thing to do is the main this character uh has a noble death because they I mean literally in Star Trek, it's like sacrificing yourself for your friend and the ship and everything. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. the most noble death that yeah. there could it's, be. That's very it's very affecting. It's very yeah, affecting. Yeah, you're gonna have like bagpipes, mm-hmm. you know, playing amazing grace at your funeral. It's like it's like all the beats that you could never do again because they did them there. So yeah. what do you do when you're got your side like Firefly isn't necessarily like a straight sci-fi. It's almost a parody of sci-fi while being what it is. You know, it's 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 cartoonish. It's it's got weird Western stuff throughout it. Mm-hmm. You know, howdy, howdy, howdy. So, you know, <laughs> you got, if you're going to do a death, what are you going to do? Are you going to do that typical noble death or random stuff happens? This is life. No. 
I can't. There you go. I can't agree. I can't agree. With All that. right. Yeah, I don't. You know, that's not a that's not a Western. That's not a Western uh, cliche. The random, the random out of the blue death. No, it's not a Western. <laughs> you know, it's just like I think there's. You know, we can call them cliches, but there's there's reasons that we use those sort of uh, you know tropes or or you know that kind of shorthand of of heroic behavior and stuff like that. And you know, there's lots of Westerns where you know one friend sacrifices himself for another friend, you know, or does something noble, you know that. You know that that saves whoever, or you know whatever. And there's lots yeah. of different. There's lots of different feels, forms of feels, heroism. Okay, it feels like in the last two weeks we were talking Woody Allen, and now we've decided, no, enough of that. Let's get to Joss Whedon. It's like, <laughs> well, I'm not. Um, I'm not talking about Joss Whedon. I'm talking about Fire, Fire, Surrender, Firefly. I don't. I yeah, don't care. I, I, got I don't you. care about like, Joss Whedon. I don't. You know, I'm not. Joss, Joss Whedon made his bones. Yeah. Um. Uh. Doing Buffy. Yeah. And Buffy is a flip on the stereotype, which is. You know, the blonde is the one who gets killed in the Friday the Thirteenth movies, yeah. unless they survive to the very end. <laughs> you know, but yeah, they're you know they're being pursued by the monster, but they're the victim. Wait, here's the twist: <laughs> she's the hunter, mm-hmm. huh? The, oh, look at this, stabby, stabby. Okay, oh wow, all right. And what about the 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 guy? Uh, he's kind of cowardly in her best friend. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. And there's a witch. Oh, she's evil. No, she's good. Oh, well, mm-hmm. everything's a flip. All right. So, you know. Well, she was uh, evil as a witch. She was good later, as a, she was good on, as a friend. She was good as a friend, but later on she became evil as a witch, yeah. And and then when you get into something like, you know, the Avengers, uh, you know, everyone there is not reacting in any way like you would in a typical superhero movie. I mean, we look at the Avengers now as setting the tone, but it really wasn't like it's Everyone's commenting constantly on what's going on and going, I don't think this is right. No, no, this is, you know, everyone's, everyone's dissecting what's going on through the whole thing. Everything is being flipped. You know, this character who you think is like this is really like this. First time you see Black Widow. I know we've seen her before, but you think like she's about to be tortured. No, she's not. She's the one with the power. Oh, flippity do. You know, and, and every, you know, Tony Stark, he's the arrogant guy who, as Captain America says, would never, make the big sacrifice because he's too selfish. Wrong! He is the one who makes the big sacrifice. And through the whole thing, everyone is dissecting the movie as it goes along. You know, anytime they have a second, they just take the other person aside and go, this is crazy, right? Yeah, that's not going to work. I know. What are we doing here? We shouldn't be here. This is a bad idea. I know it's a terrible idea. We shouldn't do it. You know, where you'd never have that with like a uh, Justice League movie. You know, you'd never have, you know, the super friends would never go, hey, Superman, do you think we can pull this off? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe not. That Brainiac's pretty tough. I got no plan <laughs> at all. Well, that'd be, know, that, that would be Brainiac, good if they said that. but You know, Brainiac's my brother. He's your brother? What the way is he on the team? This guy shouldn't be on the team. It's his brother. Whose brother is he? Oh, well, I'm just saying Thor's brother was the villain. Oh, oh, I see. Sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You still got him on the team. It's like, that seems like a terrible idea. That's a horrible idea. What are you doing? And why is Black Widow here? She can do flips. It's a god. This is awful. This is a dumb idea. And then they all go for like shawarma. You know, super friends would never go for shawarma. But it's, you know, it's a, it's a thing. It's like, that's, that was not even when Joss Whedon directs it. That's the thing. It's like the Whedon thing of just like, okay, well, what would real people do? Uh, and or what would be the opposite of what mm-hmm. you would normally expect and, yeah. and flip it, flip it, flip it, flip it. So, you know, 
And so the noble death, you get a thing through the through the gut. <laughs> Poor guy. I guess that's you really, bring really great. There's no reason you can't ever bring bring people back. It's real great. It's, and I mean, frank, the problem with that, people. the problem with that though, is that you know that might play to a, a minority of people in the audience. But the purpose of Serenity was to create a franchise. Like that, that's what the studio was really interested in. That, like Gail Berman, who brought Joss Whedon back for Buffy the Vampire Slayer. She's the one who owned the rights to for, as a TV show, and she's the one that brought him as him as a creator. Mm-hmm. And so she was behind like Serenity, you know, Serenity being made at the studio. Um, well, actually, no, sorry, she was at 20th Century Fox. She's the one who was responsible for the TV show, not the film. Universal is a different story. So, but when Universal. Um, you know, wanted to do Serenity. They wanted, they really had like, like dreams of having it done as like, you know, having it as a, as a franchise. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they, well, the studio, Cash. the studio screwed up the marketing. Yeah, that's true. But can't you see, all right. So, and all right, the movie doesn't, so. the movie doesn't appeal to, to people who aren't Firefly fans. You know, it's a it, weird thing. You're not really it has sure to really straddle. It, it tries to straddle, but, you know, and I think, I don't think people. I don't think people coming from outside of the Firefly universe or outside of Joss Whedon's universe would understand the death of Wash as being like something that that's so Joss Whedon. I don't think that's what people who are just you know uh, you know casual viewers of the movie who probably already having issues trying to understand like all these relationships between all these people that aren't very well explained right. in the film. But let's go with let's go with this idea that uh, you know say you're and again I like uh, Alan uh, too. He's uh, fine. He's, Hey, hey, speaking of, uh, I'm saying a lot of people are my friend. Uh, hey, I got a friend who's in a TV series with Alan Tudyk right now. Oh, yeah. There you go. Look at me with all these friends who have like side parts. What do they yeah. say? What do they say? How's he like work to work with? Uh, good. She's having a great time. Uh, oh, that's, that's good. I, I was talking to a, a woman who was an extra on a show he was on, and she's, she was describing this person as like the most terrible person she ever met in her life. Oh. And I was like, oh, what? who is he like what's what's his name of this actor and she goes oh, his name's like alan tudyk i was like really she goes oh yeah he's just like a big asshole <laughs> it's like oh, interesting no, uh not not in this case so and that was that was for the show that we're both you're both talking because it was the one that was being filmed here so well okay well there you go so it's weird i don't know, maybe you had a the bad extra, day the extra thought no uh the <laughs> uh, supporting actor things yes yeah that's interesting but, but here's uh here's what i'm thinking it's like say you're a hollywood executive and you're going like, what do we got here? We got this uh, show called Firefly. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Love it. I love the name. Uh, we're going to call it Serenity. Yeah, that's fine. Um, <laughs> sounds like a John Cusack movie to me, but yeah. okay, yeah. whatever. Uh, okay, now like, here's the cast. Let's take a look at them. Okay. Hmm. Who's this guy? <laughs> that's Ron Glass. Oh, from Barney Miller. Yeah. Okay. All right. So what's he? You think people He's, would get excited about that, even if you're Well, new? that's the thing. It's like, if you're going to cut anybody, here's yeah, yeah. where you're going to cut. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who's the older guy? What's his deal? He's very religious. Hmm. But he might have some secrets in his past. But he's the old guy, right? Yeah. Yeah, you can lose him. He's gone. Okay. Now, who else we got here? We got this guy, Alan Tudyk. Oh, okay. He's kind of, he's kind of funny, but to be fair... So's everybody. Everybody is comedy relief. It was like, because you think like, oh, it's kind of, you know, odd fella, you know, and, they miss, and he's, oh, look, he's married to her. Oh, that doesn't look right. Oh, because she's so much beautiful and she's, you know, you know, it's fine. He's comedy relief looking guy. Yeah. But, you know, they're a couple and they've established it in the TV series that they love each other. Yeah. But we're just talking normal people come in and going, what are these guys doing together? 
uh, kill him. Yeah, and so she now gets to date. So she's, you know, the beautiful, she's a beautiful woman, very strong, and she gets to now have romantic interludes, which movie viewers would like to see, you know, and they don't want to see her probably with Alan Tudyk in a romantic love scene. Sure. So, but if you you're going to do that, then you do it, you do it not on, you just don't include him in the movie at all. Well, then people who are fans of the show go, well, there well, was a couple. Why are they not a couple anymore? <laughs> but those people are, those people you're guaranteed to get. The fans okay. you're guaranteed to get. Well, you're, here's the thing. You're you not trying to, because you, you need to, you need to get, you need to double $40 million. You get, you the, then the get of the her movie. to play the sadness of, I just lost, you know, the one that I love. And sure. so she's a mess, which is a fun thing for the next movie. So if you go into the next movie with the cast you've got, you've now made your cast younger and much more attractive. I know, but you can't, you're, you're jumping the, you're jumping ahead because you cannot make your next movie if you don't make your bank on the movie that you're making. Right, so you you, Joss Whedon had a simple, and it's not a simple thing, but he had what he needed to do was make a Firefly film that would make a hundred million dollars. So that that was his that was his that was his thing that he needed to do, and so that movie barely made forty million dollars, and that's with the international gross. So it, and part of the problem isn't to do with Joss Whedon at all; it's to do with the fact that the studio didn't want to spend a lot of money on promotion so they decided they're going to do quote-unquote a grassroots campaign which is kind of like when people brag about doing making an album you know live on the floor like we did it on the floor which what that means is the the company didn't want to pay money to 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 spend like a month in the studio recording an album so they did it really quickly by doing all the tracks live and then just doing minor overdubs and let's get this sucker out of here so so what they did though is they they started this campaign of like fans of the show could write in and get tickets for surprise showings around the country. Okay. And so they did that. They did it for like, I think they did it for 10,000 uh, cin- cinemas or something like that around America. And then, and it got such a huge response. They, they doubled it. It doubled it later. Like a month later, they doubled it and they did it again. And they got another huge response. All these people like writing in and, you know, in fact, it sold out before they even like announced that it was going to happen. Like everyone just like, mm-hmm. The fans figured out that if they like phone theaters and like, you know, told them they would buy tickets that they would get the movie would maybe they could maybe get the movie there. So they did that, and then they kept upping it. And so that by the time the movie opened, it had played to four hundred thousand people and had shown at Comic Con. And then when it opened, there was no there was no excitement because the fans, the super fans, had already seen it. Right. And so they're not they're not dragging their family on opening night to go and see this movie that they've been waiting to see. They've also already seen it. They've seen it multiple times. So there was no there was no excitement when it opened, and, and the theaters weren't full of people like happy and excited to see this movie. They're full of you know my family and I sitting in a in a theater with seven other people, you know, and we were excited to see it. But I guess apparently we didn't know that about all these secret showings because everyone else was gone. So yeah, like and we went and saw it like you know opening weekend, and it was empty. So I you know I feel like. You know when that this is that and that's on the studio, but I I also you know like I've already made my case or against the death of Wash in terms of like something to sell a movie. Like I feel like you know people just walked out of that film and they're like you know well I guess sure is random I guess. <laughs> yeah, it feels, it feels like now it'd be the kind of thing where if you know he was not persona non grata. Uh, yeah, that yeah. Uh, you could you could do it as a TV series on 
one of these streaming services, mm-hmm. and it would uh, it would just make bank that way. You could bring it back that way. Oh, there's talk of there's talk of it. There's talk of it right now. So. Yeah, there's a, there's been there's almost been talk of it, but again, mm-hmm. it's tough. It's tough now. If uh, you know, I'll have to see how thing if uh, things cool down. Uh, you know, after uh, the Snyder Cut comes out and other things come out, <laughs> we'll, we'll see how things go. And uh, uh, Cy- Cyborg's so, happy again. Yeah, we'll we'll see. Uh, Snyder Cut actually was released uh, this week by accident a couple of times. Um, is that in, uh, is that in quotation marks? Well, yeah, that's very much in quotation marks. <laughs> but like, uh, if people who tried to get Tom and Jerry on HBO Max, uh, all of a sudden, eh, huh? You like that? Sounds like it's it sounds like it's their own fault. Could be, and uh, also I don't know. And, and look, if anyone is really looking forward to it, great. Hope you enjoy it. Oh, Hope you, you enjoy it. You're not going to watch it? Uh, probably. Uh, you're going to watch it. I don't know. I walked out of the last one, so it's like. Oh really? You walked out know. of the you watched you walked out of the not Snyder cut. Yeah, I walked out of the uh, the, the 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 Whedon Snyder. Why did you walk uh, out? What, what at what point did you walk out? I walked out um, five minutes before the end. Oh well, come on, no, no. I walked out when uh, they were having the slow motion fight with Flash and uh, oh, like when they're fighting over there when Superman was fighting everybody after they brought him back to life. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, That's a good time to walk out of that movie. <laughs> no, you're right. You were there were some there, there were some jerks in the theater too, which really helped me kind of go. Oh, okay, yeah, okay, and okay. that, and I'm done. Okay, and all, it was, and again, I've said this before. Which is like, oh, this is what they were setting up at the beginning, you know, because they showed Wonder Woman, you know, uh, watching a bullet go by her mm. slowly. And uh, <laughs> it's like, oh, because we're seeing that Wonder Woman has super speed, same as the Flash. Very good. So, uh, you know, if this seems to be a setup for there's going to be a super speed scene later. And we'll, now that we've set this up, we know Wonder Woman will be part of it. So there's a super speed scene and Wonder Woman's just there. Oh. I'm like, okay. They don't, they don't, no one Does she have super speed? Yeah, you see at the very beginning where like uh you know she's rescuing the people, someone pulls out a gun, fires a bullet. You'd think she would hit it with the with the bracelet. Yeah. But for some reason she watches the bullet go by and you're like, Oh yeah, she's got super speed. Because we're watching her watch the bullet okay. slowly go by. Okay. I'm like, all right. This is this, I thought this. I thought it was just kind of like bullet time kind of thing where like we're just seeing her you know, she's so like she has such fast reactions that she can like see a bullet go by, but she's not necessarily like super speedy. She's just okay. Well, she's super reactive. It. Yeah, she's tracking it and turning her head to the speed of a bullet going. By. <laughs> I guess that's pretty fast. You know, or she has really strong neck muscles. Yeah, one of one of one of the, one, anyway, one she's of got the speed of freaking Mercury. She's fast. <laughs> she's fast, man. But right. like, it, this is my big. Beef Don't confuse with her with Wonder Shazam, Woman. sir. Yeah, this is uh, this is my big beef with Wonder Woman. Is like. Whenever she's in something, people forget what she can do, mm. and then she just ends up standing off to the side. Uh, like, well, that's oh, yeah, turn. that's terrible. Your turn, Tuts. We need someone to distract the security guard. Where's Wonder Woman? Get, get her over here. Hello. Why is she dressed like a woman? She's already a woman. She's dressed like Bugs Bunny dressed as a woman. Da, 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 da. That would be okay. By the way, yeah. that would be a really great thing to have in Space Jam. Because, you know, you got your Babs Bunny, not Babs Bunny, whatever her name is, whoever the the other uh, rabbit is. Babs is from Tiny Toons. Babs is Tiny Toons, yeah. Whatever, whatever her name is. But, like, the female Bugs Bunny. Hotcha Bunny. She's, she's whoever she is. Yeah. Uh, but it would be funny if, like, she does have to distract, like, someone like Is Elmer it Lulu Fudd. Bunny? Lulu Bunny? 
Uh, very close. No. If not, if not at all, it would be nice <laughs> if she dressed as a woman, even though she's a woman, but yeah. she dresses in that over the top woman caricature that Bugs does. Yeah, yeah. And just doing the hello boys and just like really off the top. And like, oh, like, oh, everyone's, everyone's just like really attracted to her. It's like, she's already a woman. Like it was any made more sense when a rabbit dressed as a sure, lady. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. that's funny. <laughs> and then, and then, uh, Patrick LePew's in the audience going, "You know, I was cut from this. I, was cut from this. <laughs> I had a scene in this movie, but and then people, uh, and people then don't like skunks going, anymore. Yeah, aren't you French? I'm just like, eh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> they yeah. really should have that as a as a scene at the very end. <laughs> yeah. Aren't you French? Yeah, Speedy Gonzalez is behind him. Yeah. Just going, hey, down in front, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, Dave. Yeah. There comes a time in every podcast life. (laughs) Is that right? There is, yeah. And it's usually at the 90 minute mark. Okay. Oh, um, okay. Where, uh, uh, you know, our our thoughts Mm. turn to the undead. Oh, actually, I thought you were going to say our. Our thoughts turned to dancing because I just I was just thing I wanted to say about dancing and we never we never okay do, we the, do, back do the dead ever dance Dave so well no it was just because when you said that you said do people dance to that mm-hmm. and I was thinking it's so weird to me because like like we've just taken dancing out of one part of our life like one part of our musical lives like of course people go to like na- nightclubs and they dance to EDM or they dance to house music or whatever and that's that's dance music. But it's just weird to me that at one point, like, like in the '60s, when people went to see like The Grateful Dead or Jefferson Airplane and stuff like that, they would go there and they would dance to those bands. Like all those bands played a dance beat as part of their their sound. You know, okay. the drums were the drums were playing like a beat that people could dance to, and that's what that's what that music was for. It was for dancing, and it's just so weird to me because you know, for my generation at least. When you went to a concert, you just stand there gawking at the band. You you don't dance. You know, you don't you know when you go to the Commodore to see Sloan or whatever, no one's dancing at those concerts. Mm. You know, everyone's just standing around. And I don't know and it's weird, like I you know, I've watched um videotape that was t- uh done of Jeffrey Frederick and the Clamtones playing in Portland, playing in like some club in Portland in the, in the early eighties, you know. And and of course, everyone's like embarrassingly hippie-ish, who's, who's da- but they're all dancing. Like all these men and women, you know, mustached men, and everyone's wearing plaid shirts, and they're all, they're all dancing, though, to this music. That, to me, and I remember talking to my, my friend Ian, not you, Ian, but another friend no, Ian. Oh, I know! <laughs> yeah, we see that. Anyway, my friend Ian, and who went and saw the Rounders and the Clamptons play here in Vancouver at Rohan's, and he was, you know, he was talking about them dancing, and I was like, and I couldn't comprehend that people would be dancing to that music. And I was like, people were dancing? He goes, oh yeah, they just, they dance the whole night. And I was like, I don't, I don't even believe that. It's weird. So when I saw this videotape, I was just like, okay, they did dance to it, but I don't understand it. Because it's just weird. Like, so that generation, those people who were in their 30s in 1980, 20s and 30s in 1980, were dancing at clubs to music, to live music. And now, when you go to like live music, everyone just their feet are firmly planted on the floor. They will be bobbing their heads. Yes, that is true. Everyone's bobbing their heads, but no one is, you know, slinkily moving about or whatever. You know, like, you know. And if they were, 
you're like, well, that guy's really <laughs> tripping. <laughs> like you're not, <laughs> you're, you're not thinking. Yeah, it's just I don't know. It's just strange. Like, I remember when we went when when my friend Ian and I, not you, Ian, my other friend Ian. Oh! <laughs> we went drove down to uh, Frankenstein's monster over over time. <laughs> <laughs> it's very pleasing. We drove down to Portland to see the Holy Motor Rounders in a, a, a. They did like a reunion tour in the mid '90s, and we drove down there, and and uh, the show starts, and of course, for my me. Feet firmly planted from the floor, but this other guy, this guy like wearing like a big giant muumu, was like dancing around, you know, his hands above his head, like like he was he had finger symbols on or something. He's just dancing and doing his thing, and and my thought was, well, that guy is really tripping. But I wasn't thinking, I wasn't thinking. I guess everyone's gonna start dancing. No, because it just seemed like that. It's gone. It's not like a, it's something we don't do anymore. I, but we well, like we have dedicated places for it, right? We go to the disco. But we do not take the disco into the into the the club, where you're going to watch a band play. Gotcha. Uh, I just find that really fascinating. It's this weird. Yeah. It's a weird generational shift that happened. Do you think that's uh, North American, or do you think uh, it's different in other parts of the world? I suspect. I suspect that it's that it's not different in other parts of the world. I feel like. I feel like disco. I feel like the disco era kind of changed. That it it made a fork in the road for dance music and dance music and rock music separated there and rock music became music that you don't dance to that you just watch and you appreciate the incredible skill of the musicians that you're just so lucky to see and disco music and 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 you know or or dance music in 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 general you know when it when it's other went the other way and that became the music that you go to a club to dance to and the twain will never meet again you know right and I guess maybe there was some freaky dancing done by people to, to in, during Mad, during the Madchester scene in England, you know, like when Happy Mondays and Stone Roses and stuff like that. But that, but those guys were like, they, those guys were also kind of like entwined with the with the um, with the rave scene in in England as well. So there was kind of a crossover there. So I do think there was some kind of freaky dancing to to that stuff because th- those. Like Happy Mondays had a guy on stage whose only job was to dance to the music. He he was he was the freaky dancer on stage, <laughs> dancing to the music. He had no he didn't like even play like a a tambourine. He just danced the whole, you know that was his job. And you know and so he got he got to be called Bez and he got to dance and that was that was his thing. And I'm I know that there are other bands that had that kind of you know band dancer of that time period so that's maybe like the last gasp of of the band as a dance thing but if anyone else you know if, if i'm wrong you know if you can pro- you can prove me wrong that's fine I'm, I'm happy to to be proven wrong i just feel like you know like i know i extensively go to shows around around vancouver and and i just don't commonly see people people dancing at shows so what we're saying is prove dave wrong <laughs> prove him wrong do it do what i do every week Prove Dave wrong. <laughs> Do you prove me wrong every week? I don't know. Let's let's go back to the tape. Yep. <laughs> it happens. Um, Women can okay. be right all the time. Uh, look, I was I was doing my best to introduce our dork shadows uh, yeah, yeah. recap. Okay, so and uh, and he just like kicked the wind out of me. <laughs> he just he just shot me down like I'm sorry. Like I was the Red Baron and you were Snoopy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know That's what. My job. Yeah, I'm still going to introduce the bit. Okay. I'm still going to do it. Yep, you do it. All right, here we go. Ready? Okay, here it comes.
Hey, everybody, there used to be a show called Dark Shadows. It was a soap opera. Get this, though. There was a vampire in it. What the hell? It ran in, like, the, the late 60s, early 70s. Is that right, Dave? Late 60s, uh, late 60s early 70s. You're correct. Right. And uh, what the hell? What's, a, what's that all about? Well, look, calm down. Dave has been watching it, <laughs> and he's been recapping us on what's going on in the world of vampires. There's been time travel. Yeah. Oh, my stars. There's been witches. There's been people getting pushed off cliffs. <laughs> and uh, we're now joining um, you today. Where are we at, Dave, in the world of Dark Shadows? Oh, where are we at? Well, as everyone remembers, last last time we were talking about this, Vicky had... Vicky... Right? Didn't we talk about that? And she was all choked up about it. She was all choked up about it. Did we talk about that? I don't know. I don't quite remember. Well, let me just... Let me look back at my notes here. I usually I usually write where we last were. Maybe I'm... Maybe I am. Hmm. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that didn't happen. Hmm. Oh. Okay. Okay. Well, no. Hey, sorry. No. No. This is where we left off. This is where we left off. This is where. This is where we left off. Peter. Peter, uh, who has been helping Vicky, the the brave young jailer who is also soon to be a lawyer. Very convenient soap opera. Uh, was helping Vicky, of course, at her trial. He came back from from going to Collinwood to to um, get help from Naomi to discover the the dead body of Noah the 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 jerk who um I you know I got to give it to Noah like he was a weak fellow right. he tried to do the right thing like he he didn't want to have to kidnap Daniel Nathan forced him to do it he's okay. like are you crazy I don't want to kidnap a kid and take him out to sea and drown him and Nathan's like if you want some money you're going to do it and he's like but I don't want to do it he's like you're going to do it and he's like all right I'll kill the kid but anyway it didn't go well for him because he got shot by Vicky. And then Peter, coming back from Collingwood, discovers the body and the gun that killed him. And he's standing there holding it when he gets arrested by Nathan, and who takes him back to jail. So that's where we left last time. Okay. So now we're at episode 456, everyone. Uh, so Vicky... By the way, what episode... Sorry. Yeah. About when does uh, uh, Barnabas come into the into the episode? So we're at 400 and some. But like, was he... He was about 211. Was okay, all right. So... So forget the first two hundred. Yeah, well, I haven't, I haven't even I haven't even seen those. So forget it's garbage. I don't know. Garbage. I don't I have no idea what it was like. I've never, I've never watched. It's garbage. It's garbage. Okay. So don't bother watching the beginning, which is available. But uh... absolutely crap. Keep going. <laughs> Keep so going for their lives. So Vicky with Daniel flee to Collinwood, and uh, whoops, I keep turning the wrong way when I'm doing this. Sure. Oh, gosh darn it. So I said they flee to uh, they flee to Collinwood. Now now um. So what happens is when they get there, Daniel sneaks in through the through the window and he like creeps through the house and he opens the front door and lets Vicky in. And then they, they talk a little bit with Naomi and then Naomi hides hides Vicky. And then Nathan arrives and he wants to speak to Daniel. But he wants to speak to Daniel alone. And Naomi refuses to, to leave the room. And so Nathan has to, t- to basically, he wants to like, um, what's the word? He wants to like, Listen to what Daniel has to say, and then he's then he's going to like, you know, refute everything that he that he said. So, you know, he wants to debrief him. That's what I'm looking for. Okay. So, so Daniel tells what happened, and he describes Noah, who who Naomi had met before. And so Naomi's like, "Well, that's the sailor guy you were talking to, Nathan. That was your friend." And uh, Nathan um, Nathan then says, "You know, Noah's dead." And then he tells him that Peter killed Noah, and that uh, you know that. And basically, that Daniel was wrong. That Noah wasn't. You know, he tells some kind of sob story about about uh, Noah, and then he says, "But Noah got killed." So then, 
And so then when he leaves the room, he meets up with Millicent, who tells Nathan that Daniel let someone in through the front door. Mm. And and then Nathan knows that Vicky is somewhere in the house. Because Millicent also says, I can sense the witches here. Uh-huh. So he's like, ah, so Vicky is being hidden in the house. And his only interest in Vicky is to turn her in so he can get the reward money. He has nothing against Vicky, other than that she's a witch, but he really wants the reward money. So Nathan's now mad at Naomi for, for double dealing with, with uh, Vicky. So he informs her that not only is Barnabas alive, but that he is a murderer and that he is in town. Ooh. Or sorry, that he is in the tower. Oh, well, more so. <laughs> so then Naomi goes to the tower and there's a coffin in the tower and she opens it up and looks inside and she finds her son, Barnabas, lying in this coffin. And she's totally, she's like completely stunned. Like she's just like, stunned she can't even believe what she's seeing and ben stokes arrive and ben leads her away and he lies to naomi to hurt to help you know so that she's uh to try and soften the blow here and he tells her that barnabas has been cursed but with a sleeping sickness he is unable to wake up he tells her so then naomi wants ben to take daniel to a friend's house in the village where he'll be safe because she's worried about she's worried about nathan um now ben is uh Ben, um, he tells Nathan about what's happening. This is not very wise on his part, but he's so angry at Nathan and his treatment of Daniel that he tells him that Daniel's being taken away. So now Nathan is really angry at Naomi. So he tells her like the truth, that Barnabas is a murderer, that he is the Collinsport strangler, and that he is not, not alive, not sleeping he awakes at night mm-hmm. and he says, I, we, what, you sh- what you need to do is follow Millicent because Millicent knows this is true. So Millicent goes out onto the, goes for a walk. She says, says to Naomi and Naomi's like, oh, okay. So Naomi, of course, follows her and she sees Barnabas for the first time walking around, apparently alive. Here's her son. But then she sees her son attack her cousin and bite her neck and she sh- screams in horror and so that's where that scene ends so we know that she was screaming with horror then we cut to joshua returning from boston to discover that naomi has learned the truth and he tries to like you know tries to dissuade her from believing that it's real and stuff like that but no she will not be she will not be assuaged she knows that barnabas is there's something wrong with him and she doesn't know what exactly it is she doesn't know that he's a vampire but she knows that something's wrong with him so she arranges for Vicky to escape. She, she arranges with Joshua that he will help Vicky escape, but Vicky refuses because she will not leave without Peter. As long as Peter's in jail, she's not going to leave. But the problem is, is that Nathan has followed Naomi to Vicky's secret hiding place in the house, and when she leaves, he knocks on the door and lures Vicky out, and he captures Vicky and returns her to jail. So now both Vicky and Peter are in jail. What a dirty dog that guy is. That's all I can say about him. <laughs> That's right. Now, Naomi, having written a note to, to uh, Joshua, and by the way, the most terrible curse of writing you'll ever see in your life on the front of this envelope. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she wrote it herself or if the paper was bad, but it's just like the most clumsy writing. It says Joshua, but it looks like I wrote it when I was in grade two. So she writes a note to Joshua, and then she drinks a glass of poison. Oh. She goes to the tower and finds Barnabas there. At the same time, Joshua finds the note, but he can't get to the tower in time. Barnabas has told his story. He tells the complete story to to uh, Naomi. So she knows everything. She knows Angelique's role. She knows all, every, all the truth. She tells 
Barnabas that no matter who he is or what has become of him, that she still loves him, that she is, he is her son and, you know, she will, she, she, you know, forgives him and, and then she dies in his arms. Aww. So Joshua arrives and he's somewhat sad, but he's not, he's the least loving person you'll ever meet. So just forget about him being really sad about <laughs> Naomi dying. But he tells Barnabas that he has learned in Boston that a silver bullet through Barnabas's heart will kill him. And he's had one of the servants take a silver plate into town to have it melted down into, into six bullets. Although really they should be called balls because like, they, they're not fire. They're firing from, um, you know, the flintlock guns. So not, they're not firing from like revolvers yet. Also, this is a real big guess. You know, like this is going to kill him. How do you know? He's not dead. How would you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So. All right. Good luck. But Barnabas is okay with this because he is so like distraught about his mother's suicide. Sure. And, but Barnabas also learns that it was Nathan who told Naomi about him and he swears vengeance. Mm. Nathan, boozing it up with some floozy, is confronted by Barnabas. Like the boozy floozy. The floozy leaves. Yeah. The boozy floozy leaves and Nathan's there drinking and then there's a bat on a stick flying outside the window. Squeak, squeak, squeak. <laughs> and suddenly Barnabas is in the room and he tells Nathan that he is going to kill him. But he says, uh, well, Nathan then says, well, not if I shoot you first. So then he shoots him. And Barnabas does the classic, ah, you shot me, but it doesn't actually hurt me. I'm fine. I'm fine. I know I was screaming. Oh. I know I was screaming before, but I'm fine. I'm good. And, uh, and then he says, then Barnabas tells Nathan that he'll be dead at nine o'clock that night. Uh-huh. And there's a great scene where, uh, where Nathan goes to Ben and he's like, Ben, Ben, you have to tell me. You can't let me, you can't just let me die. That would be that would be murder on your part. How can I stop? How can I stop Barnabas? And Ben's like, "Well, you'll have to drive a stake through his heart." And he's like, "Drive a wooden stake through his heart." That's right. But you'll have to do that when he's sleeping, and he won't be sleeping until the morning. And by the mor- time the morning comes, Mr. Nathan, you'll be dead. <laughs> it's, a, <laughs> it's a nice little scene. So Nathan then goes to Joshua to like beg for his life. Like for Joshua to intercede with with uh, Barnabas, Joshua's like, I can't stop Barnabas. What am I going to say? You know, and he just leaves. Oh, before that happens, though, Nathan notices a crossbow on the on the wall, crossbow, and he's he's then he's like, oh. And what's nice in this show is that when people think things, they don't oh. say it out loud. It's actually in their head that they think things. So you just hear it as like a voiceover. And he's like, that uh, crossbow arrow is it's actually a dart, but he, or bolt, but he calls it a arrow. That arrow is made of wood. So then he has like a plan. So then he's like, oh, I was being cowardly. Ignore me. Leave me alone here by myself to face this, to confront Barnabas. I'll take my punishment. I, w- I won't die a coward. And so then when uh, Joshua leaves, he gets a crossbow, crossbow down off the wall and he, he loads it. And then he's standing there at the ready for Barnabas to come. So then we have Barnabas arrive. He comes in through the front door. I don't know why. Earlier he was coming in the windows as a bat, but now he's coming in through the front door. He opens, then he opens the study door. Nathan fires and hits Barnabas in the chest, and Barnabas goes, ah! <laughs> then the show ends. Oh. And then you, it comes back in, and he's like, ah! And then he goes, oh, it missed my heart. <laughs> and, and Nathan is killed. So that's the end of Nathan. Okay, well, we hardly knew you. <laughs> well, I knew him pretty well. We saw him, it's funny, because his character took a real turn, right? Like, we saw him in the very yeah. first episode. He's, like, one of the very first people to meet Vicky when she first arrives in the past. And she thinks he's Joe. And he's like, who's Joe, you know? And then, 
and then he seems like an okay dude. Like, you know, he's helping hide Vicky from from Trask and, and everyone at the beginning. Although he does he does get concerned when Trask threatens his career. And then maybe that's where his, there's a turning point for him and he becomes a snake then because he's more worried about his career than he is about someone else's life. But Joshua arrives at the mausoleum and enters the secret chamber. He aims the flintlock at Barnabas's heart, but he is unable to fire. He cannot kill his own son. Oh. Ben arrives. He says to Ben, I cannot kill him, but I learned something else we can do, which is you have to nail a silver cross to the top of the coffin, and he will be unable to escape. Oh, okay. And then I want you to wrap it in chains and lock the, secret, the, the, lock the door, and we'll never, this room will never be opened again. So he thinks, but anyway, that's what he plans to do. So he commissions Ben to do this, to uh, nail the cross and chain the coffin shut. And so... Uh, now, Barnabas left instructions for Joshua to reward Ben for what he for the help he gave him in his life. And so, as per Barnabas' instructions, and, and more, Joshua frees Ben, which is all that Barnabas asked him to do, because, of course, Ben was an indentured servant. He was supposed to, to work for them until 1805, so he still had 10 more years left on his, on his service. But, but no, Barn- Joshua frees him, and for his faithful service, which he says should be rewarded, he gives him $100 and a plot of land. Hmm. On the on the edge of town, so that's Ben gone for now. And uh, now, as Joshua and Ben are talking, a letter arrives from the governor, and Joshua reads it. But he reads it with great chagrin because it denies Joshua's request for a stay of execution for Vicky. So Vicky is doomed. So we cut to Peter visiting Vicky in her cell, and he tells Vicky that no matter what happens, what happens to her, he will find her, no matter where she is. <laughs> he will find her. The guards come and take Vicky away. They take her out into the yard. And out in the yard, the hangman is testing the gallows, t- testing the drop with a weighted bag. Because, you know, they would test the drop so that the, when the person was hanged, that they were killed the right way. <laughs> so, you know, they didn't want it, they didn't want too deep, too long a drop, otherwise the head would f- come off. But you didn't want to have a too short a drop because then the person strangled to death. And that was yeah, also really that grisly. Makes sense. So yeah, so he's testing that, and we see that being done. And then Vicky's taken up into the gallows, and the noose is put around her neck. And they ask if she wants a hood, and she nods. And they put the hood over her head. And then the block is knocked out from under her feet. Yeah. And she, she drops down, and she dies. We cut to the Collins family, standing around. And they're frozen when we see them at first. But we see them standing around the table where they're holding the seance, looking at Phyllis Wick, the 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 nanny from 1795 who appeared in, in Vicky's place. And suddenly Phyllis Wick grabs her neck and screams, falling to the floor. Mm. Then the jailers take Vicky's lifeless body down from the noose and they remove the, the hood and it reveals Phyllis's face. And they turn Phyllis's, Phyllis over in the room and it reveals Vicky's face. And so Vicky has somehow traveled back just in time and has taken, taken uh, Phyllis has taken her place and her place in history, because she was hanged in the history books. So uh, not, I mean, the history books is in terms of Dark Shadows, not, not in actual history books. Uh, so, of course, at first, she's now, now she's confused to be in the, in the present. You know, before, she, in the past, she's like seeing Nathan and she's saying Joe. And she's seeing Barnabas, she's saying Barnabas. No, I'm just, when she's seeing, you know, Naomi, she's saying Elizabeth. So everyone's confused. But now she's, in, now she's confused, in the, you know. And so she's happy to learn that Barnabas is alive. Because to her, she never knew that Barnabas, she never, because she was in jail all that time, she never was part of this whole 
right. tragedy of Barnabas. So she didn't know that he was a vampire, that he was walking around alive or anything like that. So she sees him and she's like, Barnabas, you're alive. Just just like Millicent, Millicent said, you know, like Millicent, that big dodo was right about something. <laughs> um, Barnabas, of course, is immediately concerned that Vicky now knows his secret. So you get a lot of like eyebrow action and looking around with his eyes like, oh, <laughs> Julia reveals that she is a doctor. Mm. And keeps ben o- Barnabas away from Vicky. And uh, she attempts to hypnotize Vicky to figure out what Vicky knows. Because Vicky is having trouble remembering. So she attempts to like kind of maybe beat that by putting her into a hypnotic state and to sort of suggest to her that she tell tell what happened. But even in that state, Vicky is very confused. She thinks that, that Julia is Aunt Natalie, and that who believed that she was a witch. But she doesn't know, en- she can't put together enough of the st- story of everything that happened to her to make any coherent sense of it all. So then, uh, um, you know, Julia leaves and then Vicky has a dream. And in the dream, she is in the cemetery and Jeremiah from the past appears to her. Of course, this is, you know, and it tells her that he was the first person that Barnabas killed and she's terrified. And he says, you know, Barnabas, you know, she says, you shouldn't be afraid of me. There is one you should fear more. And he says, because, uh, you will be the last. He says the last thing he says. What Jennifer says: the last he will kill is you. He t- he warns Ooh. Vicky. So then, uh, the show kind of. There's, it's a weird. It's a kind of weird episode. There's a bunch of stuff that happens, and there's mention of Julia going into town. They say it a few times, and then when Julia Hoffman actually appears, uh, she has a new haircut. The actress has got a haircut, I guess. And I, my thought when I saw that was. That was her real hair earlier in the show because that was the most god awful hair I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like she had just like the worst hairstyle I've ever seen. Like it was like this weird. It was like she was wearing like doggy ears with like a short bang. It was really strange. Uh, but yeah, she appears in a new haircut, which Barnabas compliments her on her haircut. Very nice, very gentlemanly. Of course, she does point out. I guess you want something from me, Barnabas. <laughs> uh, now Barnabas is jealous of Vicky's love for Peter Bradford. He feels like this is cutting in on his his Vicky. Who he has been, you know, what's the popular word nowadays? Grooming to be his, uh, okay. his, his thing. Um, so he wants to. Sorry, I'm trying to. Uh, so, so he talks to to Julie, and he's trying to worm the truth out of her. Like, does Vicky know who I really am? And then he decides he's going to have to do this on his own. So he goes to Vicky's room that night, and he bites her neck. <laughs> we cut to the next day, and Elizabeth and Vicky, and Vicky seems perfectly fine, uh, are searching the cemetery for Peter's grave. She knows. She's been told it must it must be somewhere around in that in this area, and they're searching. And of course, Elizabeth is saying, you know, you know, Vicky, you need to get over this. Like, I know that he meant, a, <laughs> I know he meant a lot to you, and that's really important. But I, you shouldn't be obsessed by someone, you know, that you can no longer know. You know, you need to keep, you need to move on. And she says it in as kind of way as you can say it. But you know, she's so Barnabas comes to Collinwood because he wants. Now he wants to get Carolyn, who, of course, is under his thrall. He wants to get her to help him with Vicky. And she's a little unwilling because she's kind of has the hots for Tony the lawyer, who is there on a different thing. Or, and, you know, and she was flirting with him. And he's kind of like, hey, last time I saw you, you just were trying to rob me. So what, what do I care about you? And she's like, no, no, I'm really interested in you. And so he's like, okay, well, let's go out for dinner. And she's like, yeah, okay, so... <laughs> So then, uh, so then, Car- then Barnabas shows him. He's like, "Hey, I want you to help me. T- you know, I want you to help me." And she's like, "Hey, I've got a life." And then Elizabeth and Vicky come home, and Vicky has bought a painting, and everyone's all excited. And Barnabas is like, "Is it a landscape?" And she's like, "No." And she unwraps it and, and it reveals it's a portrait of Angelique, 
that we last saw in 1795. Ooh. And Barnabas is not happy. And he's all like, he's he's like, that's a terrible painting. And he turns away and then he's like, I suppose it's, pro- it's probably worthless. And he leaves the house. Then Tony, the lawyer, if you remember, he arrives for a date with Carolyn. And then they're talking and flirting and getting all ready. And then Carolyn abruptly leaves because she's been summoned by Barnabas. And he's like, what's going on? And he's he follows her. So she goes to Barnabas's house and Barnabas is concerned. He's saying, the bite, I, you know, I visited Vicky last night and I bit her on the neck and she's been unaffected by this. And the reason is Angelique. <laughs> and she's like, witches don't exist, especially one that lived in 1795. And he goes, no, it's Angelique. And then he demands that Carolyn comfort him. That's what he says, comfort <laughs> him. And so she offers him his neck and then he bites her neck and he's drinking from it. And Tony's looking in through the window and he's like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. So when Millicent, or not Millicent, I want to call her Millicent because I'm, I'm still in the past with Vicky. When Carolyn returns to the house, Tony's there and he's like, what the hell is going on with you and that old dude? You guys are necking. And she's like, well, it's more complicated than that. And we weren't necking, literally, literally we were necking, but not figuratively. And uh, so, you know, he, she, but she's mad now because they heard their dates off. And, and uh, so Barnabas sneaks into Collinwood late at night. And he sneaks in, he's being all quiet. And then sitting in the chair there is Millicent wait or not keep saying Millicent, Carolyn waiting for him. And Carolyn's mad and she says, I don't want to help you anymore. I want you to leave me alone. I want to have a life. I'm young. I wanna, you know, I wanna be able to live my life. And he's like, Well, talk about this tomorrow. Go to bed. And she does, because she's in a thrall. Okay. So then Barnabas cuts the painting of Angelique. He cuts the painting out of the frame and he takes it to the fire and he throws it into the fire. Be be gone, woman, he says. And then the sound of Angelique laugh, the laughing oh. sound. And he turns and looks at the painting and the painting is back in the frame and she's laughing. And then you know that Angelique is back. So then a visitor comes to Collinwood in search of a painting of Angelique. And this visitor is Professor Stokes. Yes, Professor Stokes, the, a, a, a long past relative of Ben Stokes. He has come to buy the painting because he thinks that it's somehow related to Ben Stokes. And uh, it's kind of fun to see Thayer David, the actor who played Ben Stokes, who played this gruff guy with a kind of a slate underbite, kind of stuck his bottom jaw, bottom jaw forward a little bit. Okay. And kind of let his lower lip droop a little. And he's kind of like, you know, I'm Ben, I talk like Ben, you know, you can't. You can't help Barnabas, you know, and that's how he played the character. And now he's playing this very plummy professor who's come to look at this painting, and he has a monocle in his eye. It's really fun to see the same actor playing both <laughs> these roles. It's quite, it's quite, it's quite great. So he comes to buy this painting, and uh, but Roger has become fixated, one might say, obsessed with this painting of Angelique. And when when uh, Professor Stokes offers two hundred dollars to Vicky for the to purchase it, Roger, Roger counters with five hundred dollars to Vicky. It's a oh. he'll buy it from her. And the professor says, well, that's too rich for my blood. And so he, he leaves and talks to Barnabas a little bit outside. But the interesting thing that he says, he does talk about how Ben, he says, you know, that I know that Ben Stokes um, died when he was 75 and he wrote a memoir. And Barnabas says, well, that's interesting because most people at that time were illiterate. And he says, he says well, Ben, he says, Ben Stokes was illiterate. He was illiterate until he was in his 40s. And then he learned to read and he got uh and he got released early from his servitude, and he received this plot of land and stuff. And then he became a farmer and made had a really good life. And so we're all, fans of the show are like, "Yay, Ben!" <laughs> so 
So then Joe Haskell comes to visit. And of course, Joe was looks like Nathan Forbes from the past. And so when Vicky sees him, she is like, Ugh, Nathan. Blah. And Joe is, of course, like, hey, Vicky, we're good buddies. We've been friends for a long time. You and Maggie are good friends. You know, she's like one of the first people we met when he came to town. And, and why are you so mad at me? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she's like, I'm not mad at you, but she's like frowning and mad at him. And he's just come to return uh, this charm bracelet that he found of hers in the old courthouse, this condemned building that he was in uh, salvaging some fixtures for, for the old house for, for Barnabas. And while he was there, he found this charm bracelet of hers, which of course was used by the Reverend Trask during the witchcraft trial as evidence of her being a witch. And so there it was, still inside the courthouse. And so to Vicky, that's one little bit of proof that what she experienced was real. Because even she still has trouble believing that it was real. Julia believes it's real because Julia could see that she had a bullet wound in her arm. And like, how does that happen in a, flat, a second for those people? It was just a second of time that passed, right? Uh, for Vicky, it was, it, was, it was months and months. But for them, it was a brief, a brief you know, nanosecond. So then Vicky, after Nathan leaves, Vicky sits down in a chair and she falls asleep. And she has this dream of Peter calling for her, calling through time. He's in jail. And Vicky travels back to, to see him, and she's talking to Peter in jail. And then she says, I know someone, I'll go find someone to help you. And she, she walks away from him, and she finds Nathan. Nathan's sort of sleeping over on a table, laying on a book. And she tells him that he has to only, he's the only person who can save Peter. He has to go and tell, tell them that it wasn't, he didn't see Peter kill Noah, and that it was Vicky who did it. And he says... He says, well, I'm not going to do that. And it doesn't matter anyway, because they wouldn't listen to me, and they're not going to listen to you. And she says, why? She says, because we're both dead. <laughs> <laughs> and so then she, like, you know, she leaves him, and she goes back to find Peter standing in the gallows. And they kiss. And of course, no one can see her. They just, only Peter can see her. And, and they have a, a kiss. And then he is hanged and dies. And his, <laughs> is, his is more grisly, because you can see his feet quivering yeah. in his last death stroke, you know. And they didn't show that for, for Vicky. It was a little more tastefully done um so then uh now vicky is kind now so vicky uh because she's kind of under the control of barnabas he has forced her to agree to marry him as he's you know trying to control her and she, she kind of agrees but she still has her own will and she's like well before we do that i want i want to um go to the mausoleum and see if there's a secret chamber there because if that secret room is there then I know for sure that what happened to me was real. Because there's no way I could know about a secret room in a mausoleum that I've never heard of before. And Barnabas is like, well, of course he knows it's there, but he won't tell her. But he's like, oh, okay. Um, so she and Barnabas drive there. Of course, Vicky's driving because Barnabas can't drive a car. He doesn't even live in a house with electric lights. But on the way, a man steps out onto the road. And he looks exactly like Peter. And Vicky's so startled by this that she loses control of the car and they crash. And... uh that's where we'll stop this week. Dum, bum, bum. <laughs> I do have Dum, a little. Bum, I do have a little bit more notes, but um, I, they don't. Uh, they don't end in a good place. So I'll, I'll save those for next time. Okay. Hey, those of you who have no idea where this is going, where do you think this is going? <laughs> yeah, what you, would you do? What would you do with this plot line? Can you possibly guess where this crazy show is going to go next? I know. I've watched. I've watched a bit ahead of this, but uh, I'm going to assume aliens. Aliens are coming. <laughs> when, when you're saying like unwrapping the uh, painting, I thought like it's it's a painting of cross of crucifixes. All the greatest crucifixes. <laughs> of the world. Uh, 
God, no, no, they can't, they can't drop Angelique. She's just too good a character. No. You know what? Nowadays, she would probably get her own spinoff. <laughs> yeah, it's just a, you know, it's just, it's real goofy fun. I'm really, I do, I have to say, I do enjoy the show. Okay. I'm, I appreciate. I'm, I'm fond of all the characters. Notes. Yeah. Well, thanks. I'm fond of all, all right. the characters. Um, I'm going to move on to uh, our uh, our mailbag, which yeah. is the opposite of a fail bag, because it's all win. <laughs> it's all wind. Yeah, all wind. Uh, we asked a question of the week last week. What's a popular movie, TV show, record, or book? Feels like everyone has watched, listened to, or read, but uh, you have never done so. Also, with my dilemma over my bananas, apples, and milk, um, what would you make chopped style with a bag of potatoes, gallon of milk, bag of uh, apples, two bunches of bananas, and uh, and some chocolate chip muffins? What I, would you do? I love that song. That's a great song. Yeah. And a sub, sub, sub question from our friend Mick. What's the strangest pet you have ever owned? Uh, so let's go to it now. Our friend Louise writes, I haven't watched Fleabag yet. I've watched uh, other I'm writing for a role I'll, role I'll be perfect for series. <laughs> like Mindy Kaling's The Mindy Project, uh, Lena Dunham's Girls, and Issa Rae's Insecure. So I'll probably enjoy it once I get around to it. I, I, I loved it. Uh, I did watch it all on a plane and then watch the second series on a plane coming back from a long trip. Uh, maybe that affected my liking it. And then I saw the uh, live version or the, you know, uh, they recreated the live uh, version of the play that it was uh, based on. I did not like that at all. Um, <laughs> did not like the ending at all, especially. Um, there were, uh, continuing Louise's letter, uh, there are websites where you uh, put in the ingredients uh, you have, and they suggest what to make. I did that for Ian's misdelivered groceries, and the results were pretty lame. Smoothies and milkshakes for using the milk, apples and bananas, and roasted or boiled potatoes for the potatoes. That is pretty boring. Uh, <laughs> like Dave, I'd go with some sort of creamy potato casserole with a layer of thinly sliced apples on top. And for dessert, I'd make a banana custard, pour it over a base made out of crumbled chocolate chip muffins. Hmm. The strangest pets we had were a pair of small lizards that we named Joe Fraser and Rocky Marciano. And, uh, yeah, I wonder if they ever fought. Uh, also, we had mentioned uh, uh, the term jab for getting a needle. And Louise says, uh, I think jab is the UK term for shot. I've never heard it uh, used in that sense before this year. I wonder, do they use the idiom a shot in the arm over there? I don't yeah. know. They've got a lot of idioms. In fact, I think they invented idioms. <laughs> oh, and now Edward Dragansky, right on the money, by the way, uh, Edward, with, with, with this uh, reference. Um, yeah, do you yeah. guys consider Firefly or the modern version of Battlestar Galactica popular? Um, I'd say mm, I'd say Battlestar Galactica was, was popular. Uh, uh, yeah, I'd say it consistently did well. Firefly, uh, you know, was canceled for reasons and was not <laughs> as popular. It was definitely a cult uh, series. Definitely. All right. Uh, it's the kind of series we talk about a lot on this show in the uh, first half. So there you go. <laughs> it should have been canceled. Uh, many of my friends uh, sure do think you're popular, and they dog me about uh, not watching either series to this very day. I think you might enjoy both. Both are quite good. Mm -hmm. uh, one friend of mine actually uh, bought me the complete DVD set of Firefly, so I'd watch it. But uh, to this moment, I haven't. Oh, I for shame. I put off watching the animated Clone Wars series until recently. 
I thought it would supplement The Mandalorian, as does Star Wars Rebels, which I'm currently in the middle of. What I kind of did myself. Sorry, let's talk about me. Um, <laughs> if there was a reference in Mandalorian, I would watch that specific episode of Clone Wars or wherever it was. There, instead of watching the whole thing. Because, you know, I'm not immortal. I just, uh, uh, I just went, I'll just assume I know what that means and don't worry about it. Also, there's many a YouTube channel that'll go, what did it all mean? And it'll tell you. <laughs> this was back when the first uh, Harry, okay. Uh, as for movies, I made it through almost half of the first Harry Potter film and never looked back. Uh, this was back when the first Harry Potter opened in theaters and it was uh, said that the second trailer for Star Wars Attack of the Clones was attached to Harry Potter. I went opening day and there was no Attack of the Clones trailer before the film. So I snuck out and made my way to the next theater where another showing of Harry Potter was about to start. Still no trailer. I did this five <laughs> more times. Spent all day watching the same beginning to Harry Potter, but with different assortment of trailers preceding it, but never saw one for Attack of the Clones. I left the theater tired and nauseous. And to this day, this is why I'm not wild about Harry. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, what did you think of Attack of the Clones? Edward, when you actually saw it, yeah, was well, it what did you think was it worth trailer? all that theater hopping? <laughs> yeah, what, 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 was it? Um, it's interesting. You kept seeing clones of the same movie over and over again. <laughs> they want to attack something. What did you think of the trailer? What did you think of the movie? I my biggest memory of Attack of the Clones was watching it, and there's the big climactic scene, and Yoda's uh, like in a I want to say a helicopter, but he's not. It's not a helicopter. <laughs> it is like, like one anyway. They should have been playing Ride of the Valkyries that moment. Fighting. And I, I turned to my wife and I said, uh, I don't know who I should be rooting for. <laughs> I really don't know. Who's the good guy in this? I mean, Yoda's on this side, so I assume. But, hmm? Yeah. I don't know. And as it turned out, they were both working for the same side. So there you go. Uh, when you say chopped style, do you mean like a chopped salad? Uh, no, chopped style, we mean there's a TV show called Chopped. And the idea behind it is, is they get uh, contestants and give them random ingredients that would not traditionally go well together, and some weird ones. And then they've got to make the best thing they can out of it. And at the end of that, they present it to some judges, and whichever one is the least successful, that person is chopped, as, as, as in removed from the, uh, from the show. They leave, and then uh, the remaining people get another basket of ingredients, and then they've got to do their best, working their way up to a dessert. So that's, that's that show we're talking about. Um, we used to eat at a place called Corner Bakery in nearby uh, Plano that made such a huge chopped salad. By the way, I do enjoy a chopped salad. Made such a huge chopped star salad, I could never finish. It was huge. And this was the <laughs> lunch portion. You mentioned potato salad, which sounds really good with apples in it, too, which I like since this fits into my diabetic <laughs> diet. I guess I would make a chopped sal uh, salad with apples, bananas, and potatoes. Uh, prepared or roasted and mixed into the salad. A Waldorf salad has fruit and nuts in it, so it's not a million miles away from that. You're true, and a Waldorf salad is a good salad. Then I drink the milk with the chocolate chip muffins for dessert and wait for a diabetic coma to take me. Okay, <laughs> I don't want you to go into a coma over this. Please, don't do that. Uh, I begged my mom for a hermit crab, so she got me the supplies for one, and they uh, really don't do much but dig around in the sand and smell fishy. I don't know what you want a crab to do, frankly. Um, you have to have larger shells available for them to move into as they grow. So it was kind of neat uh, waiting to see uh, which shell this crab would pick when he grew out of his old one. 
I named him Colonel Logan Krusty. <laughs> and one day, after about a year, the colonel was smelling a bit fishier than normal. It didn't take long to realize he had gone to the great shell in the sky. So that was it for hermit crabs at my house. At least my cats uh, never thought of eating the crab. That would have been a horrific, yet made for a better story here. No, I disagree. <laughs> and, then, and then the cats go into a diabetic coma. What? Oh, no. Poor cats. Um, so, uh, all right. Uh, rest in peace, uh, Colonel Logan Krusty. Um, Laurel Robertson writes, I have uh, missed a lot of TV shows that have been in the culture a while. Uh, the Sopranos. I have not. I've seen one episode of The Sopranos myself. Friends. I've seen two episodes of Friends. And Game of Thrones, I have seen. More <laughs> I've seen more of The Sopranos. I think I watched. I think I watched a full season and a bit of another. Okay, but I have not seen anything of Friends or any of Game of Thrones. So okay, and Game of Thrones come to mind immediately. The thing is, I don't feel a need to go back and watch them. They just don't interest me. Hmm. Okay, so you don't like Friends and mobsters and dragons. All right, that's fair. So what if we combined all three? Yeah. And it was a group of mobsters. They were going up against a group of dragons. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hear me on this. Sure. And a group of friends yeah. has to make the peace between them. Huh. And they all fall in love. Yeah. Anyway. I like how about, how about, how about mobsters yeah. fighting against seafood? And we'll okay. call it mobsters versus lobsters. Oh, I like mobsters versus lobsters. Now, as long as... We get a cameo from Colonel Logan Krusty. <laughs> I think I think I can see room for for hermit crab in this movie. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. He's. I he's, just want to be alone. He's, no, he's, you're being dragged hey, back hey. into it. Nah, I left that all behind. I Here tried. Go. Yeah. So then later on, you you have him doing like he's the person like showing the the uh, strategies on on a on a board, you know. Yeah, I with, like it with military march music playing. You know, you know, and he's doing that. You head over there and. Yeah, you need the patent music playing. Uh, Those groceries you were delivered, Ian, sound like a real windfall to me, especially the apples and bananas. At my house, my husband eats at least two apples a day, one at lunch, and one while hiking with the dogs through the woods in the evening. When he gets near the end of an apple, he calls out, Prairie Nash, do you want an apple? Okay. And they come running from wherever to sit, tails wagging at his feet and uh, get their half of the core. A third apple is eaten by me a lot of days as I indulge in my favorite apple slices with peanut butter. That is quite good. <laughs> I do make up a Waldorf salad, as Ed D. mentioned, every once in a while too, so the apples would not be a problem. I have a banana most days, as do I, as well. Uh, and when they get all brown and mushy, I peel and cut them into chunks, drop them into Ziploc, and freeze them for future use in smoothies, or to make a banana cake or mini loaves of banana bread uh, to give away. <laughs> the custard Louise describes sounds wonderful too. That agreed. Scalloped potatoes, as Dave mentioned, is a great winter casserole. It takes a long time to cook and warms the house. I've made a couple of different versions of potato soup also, which would be uh, good using a good portion of the milk as well. And those muffins, just chowser those down, as my grandson would say. <laughs> Very cute. I like chowser them down. Yeah, me too. Strange pets, Mick. Well, we lived in the Florida Keys. We had two smallish iguanas named Chubby, the larger one, and Stubby, who lost his tail in an unfortunate grab to get him out from under a cabinet in one of his escape runs. <laughs> the tail grew back, of course, uh, but by then he was quite fond of the name. We could tell. Oh, uh, iguanas love it when you, uh, you know, uh, talk about, you know, 
their you know, disfigurements. Uh, at the same time, we had a cockatiel named Rosie, which isn't odd, but I so disliked the idea of caging her uh, that generally she flew around the house and found various places to lay her eggs as she matured. A porcelain pitcher above the kitchen cabinets was a favorite, and after her feathers were clipped following a rough encounter with the ceiling fan, a gap in the kitchen baseboards. Oh, yes, and my daughter kept a stinky ferret for a year in her teens. Have a great week, David, Ian, and everyone. Thank yeah, you. Everyone, Thank you, Larry. Everyone who pushes ferrets on me um, <laughs> gets, you know, it's just like I say to them, I hear they kind of smell. Oh, no, 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 They smell, don't they? Oh, yeah, yeah. They, yeah well, I just wonder if they're all people that suffer from like some kind of smell, smell deficiency. So they're, you know, they yeah, just, you, no you problem started, for them. Yeah, I used to have a joke um, about people that would uh, say to me and my wife and just like, oh, when are you having kids? You got to have kids. Oh, you got to have kids. Oh, they're great. And like all the arguments they would make for them were the same arguments as people who had ferrets. And they're just <laughs> like, okay, I hear they're a lot of work. Oh, no, no. They take care of themselves. Don't they smell that? No, no, no. We travel a lot. Bring them with you. Bring them on the plane. People are fine. People love them on the plane. It's great. uh, All those things you're saying are 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 true. None of those things are true. I said all those things you're saying are true. They oh very true. They they kids smell great. Kids smell great. They're they are fun. They're fun to be around and lots of fun. No, I didn't say they weren't fun. And fun didn't enter into it. And also, they're a real joy to bring on a plane. I said yeah. I said like uh, you know no trouble. That's what I said. I <laughs> um, so, Dave, do we have any emails? We did not get any emails. We did, however, get a comment from Sarah. Oh, okay. On the on our Facebook page, which is Sneaky Dragon. Very good. And she said, "Arg, I've been insanely oh. busy with a massive multi-week spring cleaning project, mm-hmm. and now I've missed comment commenting two weeks in a row. Oh no! I'll comment this week. I swear. I guess technically, technically, I just did." But I mean a real one. A real swear word, like, you know, one of the bad ones. <laughs> but yeah. um, I guess I guess she is still buried under her multi-week spring cleaning project because Sarah did not leave a comment. But that's okay. Jeez. I'm a little no worried No one is required to leave. Yeah, I'm a little worried, too, that she didn't. Yeah, we, we should go check on her. Well, that involves everything a long way down to California, which we're not allowed to cross the border right now. So. All right. <sighs> okay, fair enough. All right, but the second we get the vaccine, uh, there we go. Hey, speaking of which, Dave, um, not which Dave, as in a witch named Dave. Um, Dave. You know what? You, you know what? Oh, my gosh. We missed a comment from Nettie from a long time ago. Why well, won't you read that one? I, I find Facebook so confusing the way that it uh, divides all this stuff up. Well, this is a comment from episode 469. This is quite a okay. while, like, which is quite a while ago. So I apologize, Nettie, that we didn't see it. And what's kind of fun is because it's in a, a, a few different uh, posts, there's a, also a really nice picture of... Uh, Nettie wearing a cool, let me just say, cool pair of sunglasses, and then a very, very nice Sparks mask. Oh. And then an even nicer Sparks t-shirt. Oh. So I just got to say, looking Sparkish, Nettie. But she said, re-469. Now, I assume we were talking about parents during the show, because, oh my God, parents, am I right? I heard they just don't understand. They don't understand. But then he said, I studied, I studied a lot in grade school, hours a night, and even all night in high school, which definitely paid off academically and career-wise, and I was the first in my extended family to go to university. 
but my parents were still unhappy with me. So parent-child expectations are not always straightforward. Thanks for discussing this. It's interesting, especially, especially, is that how you say it? No, it's fine. Especially. <laughs> since I'm, For some reason, I thought it was especially. Why did I think that? No, it's especially. Sorry, Nettie. Especially since I'm not a parent to humans. Parents do the best they can, I suppose. It can't be easy. Well, you're, you're right there, Nettie. I always like to say that, you know, at least you don't make the mistakes your parents... Hopefully you don't make the mistakes your parents made. You'll make new ones. So it's, you know, it's, it's just the reality of it that, you know, in some, some way you're going to be... You're going to make some mistakes. But the important thing is, though, is that you... It is possible to raise children who are good people, who are kind people, and who will love you, and you still make mistakes. So that's, mm. that's you know, I think... But I think the end result you know, is, is, is what really counts, you know? Yeah. My daughter likes to leave plates lying on, laying around on arm, on chairs of every, every, or sorry, on the arms of every chair in the room. But at the same time, there's such wonderful people that I just can't get too excited about it. So, uh, yeah, it's, I, um, yeah, I'm interested. I'm, I'm curious, Nettie, um, why they were disappointed in you. Is it where they had, did they have other plans for you? Like, did they, they obviously wanted you to go to university. I can't think that parents were upset that you didn't go to clown college. So mm-hmm. what, what were you, what were they wanting out of you that you weren't meeting? You know, like you are, a, you know, to my eyes, you are a very successful person, not just career wise, but also in your personal life, you seem like that you have, you have something worth having and why that's disappointing to your parents is a mystery to me. So perhaps you'd like to, explain further and this time i promise i will see it i don't know i like i say i find i for some reason in the in the pages like page managers for facebook it always makes the inbox like some sort of mystery that you have to like unlock as if it's a puzzle box but anyway please write and you know we'll talk about it in episode 530 we promise that's Very a prom- good that's a promise from us the good promise people huh. uh i was gonna i was gonna say um uh we've got a, an episode coming up uh, eventually, like yeah. in July, it's in July, uh, that July. will be uh, our 500th. Yeah, it's going to drop July 3rd, I believe, unless I mis- miscalculated. Okay, that might be that might be a little too soon for this then. What I was going to suggest. Okay, what's, um, what's your suggestion? My suggestion was mm-hmm. that by that point, yeah, there is a, and again, this is just a chance situation. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a chance by then, if we're going with the schedule as they say it should be. Mm-hmm. That we will have a vaccine by then. Oh, I pray it so. So, yeah. for our 500th episode, mm-hmm. we could be in the same room again. That'd be so good. And I know that the normal idea would be we get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. But I like the idea that it's you and me in a room <laughs> after missing this for like a year. I know. That would be so great. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like, we could do something like we could definitely set up uh, cameras as well and mm-hmm. do a video element mm-hmm. something along those lines i mean i would be i'd be down for that but i think like instead of like making it big that we make it small because we've had all this distance yeah so let's just close it up uh for for the 500 if we can that's be the general goal is like getting back together in uh in the studio together i love it all right I love so it. that is the goal we'll see if we can pull it off it's a good goal we'll see if we can pull it off uh, and, uh, and, and there you go. In the meantime, maybe we can see each other in backyards now that, uh, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the saying now you can meet in groups of 10 or less. Uh, so possibly you can do, do a little something. 
in the meantime, socially, but that's what I'm talking about the show. Yeah. There we are. Yeah. All right. So there, that's the suggestion. Um, (laughs) So questions of the week. Questions. Here's a question I have, and you, of course, can ask a question yourself. And and, uh, there's no number one question, number two question. Um, What is your, uh, let's go with this. What is your longest lasting friendship that you've had with someone? How did you meet that person? And are you friends with them to to this day? Because we're talking a little bit about friendships and going like, hey, I didn't, maybe I wasn't friends with that person. But there's people like me and Dave who have known each other since high school. There you go. What is a friendship that you have currently that is like, say, your longest lasting friendship? Hmm. Yeah. And maybe like you go with like, and why do you think that is? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question, actually. The, the why, I think, is one of the more interesting questions. You know, like, what, how do people stay friends for a long time? Mm. You know, there's something, there's something, um, like, my mom has a friend. She still sees her regularly, you know, and they've been friends since they were teenagers. And my mom is, like, hitting 80, so uh, that's a long time to be friends with someone. My and, that's mom, what, and that's my mom. My mom is not an easy person. Yeah, my mom turned uh, 80 this week. Wow. That's weird, eh? Yeah. Like, uh, oh, man. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, I think my well, let's see my um what age? I'm 55 now. My mom was my mom was 26 when she had me. So I guess she's turned 81. Okay. Well, pushing 80. I mean, pushing past 80. Yeah, that and then you go like that doesn't seem right. <laughs> no, no. Like up numbers, but <laughs> well, I'm sure I'm sure to my mom my being 55 is equally bizarre, you know, like I wonder. Yeah, I wonder if that is very strange. I, like my one of my friends at work, his son is turning 15 today or tomorrow. And so that is, you know, that's, that's a, that's a feeling, <laughs> you know, there's that, that sense of, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Once your kids hit their, hits, hit their, hit adulthood, I guess it, I guess the slowing down kind of slows down a little bit. I mean, the growing up kind of slows down a little bit, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's so obvious as they're moving through their, their childhood into, into teenage years. And then, you know, they kind of reach, their height, their their real height, and they reach, you know, kind of where they're going to be the rest of their life. And, and uh, you know, so the changes are more nuanced, but it's that time as children, you know, going from being a child to be, you know, being an infant to being a child to being a teenager. Right. Those are the big changes, you know, and just, and, you know, you do really kind of are aware of like, you know, oh, 15 years has passed, you know, <laughs> and oh my gosh, that's amazing. It does. It just seems like seems like yesterday that I was holding this little baby in my in my arms, and now, yeah. But anyway, are you sure? Are you sure friends. you weren't actually holding a baby in your arms yesterday? Because that could be. <laughs> no, I haven't. I haven't held the baby okay. in a long time. Okay. And that sucks, by the way. It's so much fun to hold a baby. Well, you're, we're getting back to baby holding times. Yay! And uh, and and listen, here's what we're offering. <clears throat> If you let Dave hold your baby, we will give you some Sneaky Dragon merch. <laughs> so we'll, we'll say, like, if we're at an event or, you know, what have you, and you bring a baby, and you let Dave hold the baby, I mean, like, for a good 10 seconds. Yep. Uh, then we'll give you some merch. So your question is, uh, how, what, sorry, what is your, how long is your longest friendship? Long, longest friendship, and what do you think has made it last? All right. And then we have a question. We got a couple of questions from Brent. And so this week... We'll take his first question, and it is, what famous person are you related to, and are people impressed when you tell them? Ah. So here we go, everyone. Here's your chance to discover if Ian and I will be impressed when you tell us. Mm. So let us know. Ah. (laughs) I 
I don't think I'm related to anyone famous, to be honest. Yeah, I don't think I don't think I am either. I know quite a few people that are related to famous people. Okay. I was almost roommates with uh, Michael J. Fox's sister. Oh, wow. There's a, there's a thing. That's cool. Little of that. Yeah. Hmm. That'd be, yeah, I wonder how that would feel to be, to be the sibling of someone who's super popular or famous. Uh, there's quite a few people who can ask that question. About. One of the people is someone that we're uh, pursuing as a guest <laughs> on the show. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm not going to say who it is. No, no, don't say it because I don't even know who you're talking about. Very good. <laughs> That's cool. All right, I love it. I love it so much. Okay, let's wrap this sucker up. Damn right. I have to go to the bathroom. Okay, uh, that would be uh, me who's doing this. Okay, <laughs> so as we've said, uh, those are the questions of the week. And how would you respond to those? Well, it couldn't be simpler. You go to our Sneaky Dragon site, sneakydragon.com, and you uh, look at the episode. Look at the episode. Where is it? It's there. You see it. Uh, underneath it, what's going on? There's a message board area. Oh, my gosh. Click right there, and boom, boom, boom. And by the way, while you're there, if you want to listen to any past episode of the show, uh, almost 500 episodes, feel free and or listen to our past uh, episodes of our other podcast, Completely Beatles, Totally Tintin, uh, uh, Full Marks. And uh, they are um, podcasts where we go through uh, each Beatles uh, album uh, or a song, uh, an album, both, both things, each uh, Tintin uh, uh, book. And, you know, uh, each uh, Marx Brothers uh, movie. We've done all that stuff. That's all there on our site for free. As well as Dave's uh, podcast, Sneaky Dragon Listening Party, which is just a delight. And you can dance to it. If you want to hear us talk about movies, there are episodes of a podcast we'll probably begin back to called Fansplainers, where we uh, do deep dives on movies. Listen to that if you feel like it. Anyway, that's all on the Sneaky Dragon site. Also, that's where you're going to find our Patreon account. Click on that if you want. Throw us a couple of bucks. That's up to you. Your call. Uh, and also our merch. So many things. Also, some art Dave has done for the show. My gosh, so much stuff there. Go check it out. Uh, if you want to leave us a message on Facebook, as some people have done, you know how that works. Sneaky Dragon, Facebook, click, clack, boom. <laughs> you know. Uh, if you go to Twitter, at Sneaky underscore Dragon is where we're at. And Tumblr, SneakyDragon.tumblr.com. All good places to leave us a question or an answer or tell us how you're doing. We like uh, hearing from you. Um, if you want to buy some things that we are doing and making that help us make a living, here's what you do. Uh, Dave and I uh, put out a series of books. Two, have, two books are out so far. They are kids' books, uh, and they're called uh, Sparks. First one's called Sparks. Second one's called Sparks Double Dog Dare. We do them with our friend and uh, third dragon, Nina Matsumoto. She draws them. I write them. Dave colors them. And they are at any bookstore uh, that, uh, you know, sells books, pretty much. They're done by Scholastic. They're real. Check them out. I also do uh, books through Image Comics called Exorcisters. Two trades are out of that. I do that with uh, Giselle Legacy. And the first book is called Damned If You Don't. Second book is called Kick of the Darkness. I also... <laughs> Work with my wife, Pia Guerra. What, from Why the Last Man? Yes. What do you mean, the editorial cartoonist? Yes. I am married to her. And sometimes I go, do cartoons with me. And she goes, okay, geez. And so here's where you would find those. If you go to our website, me and her, uh, hellkitty.com, there is a comic on there called Super. You'll see the listing there. And if you click on it, it's pay what you want. And you can read uh, a, a comic story that she and I have written 
about a hospital for the superheroic with our friend uh, Moritak doing the art. If you want something for free and you're like, I just want it free, fine, geez. Go to Go Comics. Go Comics, that's where you find all the best comics, like your Luann's, like the new <laughs> version of Nancy that's so good. Oh, it's hey, you good. like Peanuts? It's there. Check all that. Uh, Bloom County, that's still being done. Check it out. It's there. Hmm. Here's what else you should check out. Mannequin on the Moon, because that is a comic that I do with Pia. So uh, go and check that one yeah. out. That's free. Click on it. Enjoy it's, it. It's great. And you can you can um, sign up for free to go comics, and then you can subscribe to have you like follow your favorite comics and so when they come out you get a notification and you can go right there and, and watch them and you can i think there's an app as well which i'm not haven't used yet but uh... i don't know if there is an app oh, okay find the app, so i'm not i'm not sure about that but okay. yeah you go to go comics uh but yeah if you just go to the website yeah you can you can check them out. and so many good comics on there so there you go yeah that's the stuff that i am uh, uh doing uh we have plugged your other podcast i think we're done I think we are done. All right. I just have one more thing to say, which is that people should uh, listen to uh, Stinky Dragon Listening Party. Yes. Back to that. Yes. And (laughs) put on your dancing shoes. (laughs) Please do. Please do. Both both Mary and I speak very rhythmically. Yep. And and you know why they speak with rhythm? Because they don't want to attract the worm. Wait, they should walk without rhythm. Ah, forget it. I forget it. If a worm shows up... uh, do the opposite of what you're doing. Sure, sure. I'll call an early bird. Basic, basic dune rules. Yeah, our call an early bird also works. Yeah, it's it's. We've gone on too long. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. But hey, man, it's pandemic days. Don't, don't judge us. Yeah, and but speaking of which, stay healthy, be safe. We're near the end of this nonsense, and uh, we love you all. So uh, take care. I've been Ian. I've been David. This has been the sneakiest of dragons. True, true. Bye. Bye. to 500 <laughs> slamming hard it's coming up yeah we can talk about that on the air nah mm-hmm. why promote something oh you know i have uh i have a thought on it okay do you, yeah. do you want to do you want to spill the beans or do you want to wait no, no, let's, I, I will i will say my thought on the air and then you'll say no <laughs> i'll say no end Sure, that'll be fine, yes. Because that'll promote my blog, and I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) Done.